Dear Joseph Heller, I am a stacked 18-year-old blonde on Sunset Boulevard. I am also a writer. I am a filthy 36-year-old Armenian on Hollywood Boulevard, although, as I speak, I'm actually on the corner of Romaine and Genesee, the block in West Hollywood, where, according to my dubious detective work, you lived out your final decades. I've been on this block before, many times. I have no idea if the debaucheries that brought me here ever took place in your building, because I don't know which building exactly was yours, or which smoggy debaucheries exactly brought me here. If I did make noise around your walls, I'm sure it didn't bother you. You always had the radio blasting on Rush Limbaugh or Larry Elder or Dennis Prager, and you don't strike me as the type of neighbor to complain. Your life was news, Eve. And so was your death. Unfortunately, the death news was overshadowed when your old pal Joan Didion decided to be a bitch and die a few days after you. But we'll deal with Miss Didion dun-dun-dun at her own memorial. To me, your death was big news. Big news. Because I found out only very recently that you wrote the book about my hometown, the only book about my hometown that really gets it. I feel like I've known you forever, Eve, because of that book, and because of your name, which somehow contains the whole story. But I've only known you forever and a year. I was hoping to find you, the Lady Eve, graduate like my mother of Hollywood High, where you told your principal that instead of going to UCLA, you preferred to pursue a career as an adventuress. Yes. The obituaries called you an it girl, a party girl, a hedonist with a notebook, a Hollywood muse. Muse. We haven't heard that one in a while, have we? Nobody's content to be a muse anymore. Because a muse requires caring about other people. A muse is no small thing to be. Muses are immortal, and you definitely 
had the resume of a muse. You got your start in the picture. Not the pictures, not the movies, but the single picture. You schemed up with Julian Wasser to get back at a man for showing preferential treatment to his wife. The famous picture of you, 20 years old, naked, playing chess with old man Marcel Duchamp in the Pasadena Art Museum in 1963. Your face hidden from view, your giant luscious boobs, not. You were art before you ever made any. Jim Morrison's madness, he had to bury his corpse in Paris just to keep away from you. Steve Martin's white suit, that was your brilliant idea. Harrison Ford's humility, I'm guessing. The black leather rock star look that lasted for decades, which you devised with your sister. The album covers of Buffalo Springfield and The Birds, which you designed. Who knows what else was whispered by you over various pillows and parties that ended up on the cultural fabric. You left too many fingerprints on that fabric and on other things to count. You had an appetite that is rare to find in women. An appetite for men. Maybe it's because your godfather Stravinsky gave you that name. Maybe it came from your mom and dad, who couldn't keep their hands off each other. Maybe it came from your copy of Arabian Nights, reinforced by the towering image of Rudolph Valentino, your high school mascot, the Sheik. Maybe it also came from Marilyn Monroe. But either way, you had an appetite for men and an appetite for beauty and talent and charm, and you did not see the point in resisting when you found them all mixed up together. Your deepest affairs were with gay men, which is not a surprise considering you kind of had the mind of one. You were on Peter Pelofian like Bajon Pilaf. Peter Pelofian of the Mamas and Papas, by all accounts one of the sexiest men in Hollywood at the time, and therefore definitely the sexiest Armenian, though I've heard stories about my uncle. But it was a gay lover, record producer Earl McGrath, who seized your heart from the arms of the sexy Armenian and engaged you in a circle dance of perversity that somehow ended up with you being pimped out to Ahmed Ertegun, or as you called him, the Turk. At least you found the Turk appalling. You went to all the parties, yes. And I love, love, love that you always headed straight for the hors d'oeuvres. You wanted to eat and fuck L.A., and L.A. wanted to eat and fuck you. All of it, and all of you. But you loved the city, too. You were loyal. And when called to defend Los Angeles, to capture its hazy and elusive magic, the way the secrets of the place flourished everywhere... You stepped up to the typewriter. You wrote Slow Days, Fast Company. I love every line in Slow Days, Fast Company. To quote one of the first ones, In Los Angeles, it's hard to tell if you're dealing with the real true illusion or the false one. 
L.A. stories are usually the false one. Even a great film like Chinatown, when compared to the riches of your book as a story of L.A., falls closer to the category of bleak, cynical kitsch. So does Play It As It Lays, and so does Day of the Locust. But Slow Day's Fast Company, as well as much of your first book, Eve's Hollywood, is the real, true illusion. What so many writers don't even bother to get right about L.A. is the actual people who live here, especially the ones who grew up here. Real people don't wake up to worry about where the city's going to get its fucking water supply. They wake up to have scrambled eggs and worry about the traffic to Palm Springs. You, Eve, were an expert on L.A. people at first sight. You understood the look in their eye, the hop in their step, the dance of destiny and desire they were ever in the act of choreographing for themselves, whether they knew it or not, and you had a great notion of dancing. I attribute your sharp expertise to how seriously you treated the world of high school. You were popular at Hollywood High, but not too popular. You were second-tier popular, in your words. You had an observer's intense awareness of the characters and scenes in Queens and what it really means to be cool. Your mind was shaped forever by the beauty and the power of the 20 or so queens who ruled campus. And surprise, surprise, when called to protect them, you stepped up. I quote now from The Chic, your essay in Eve's Hollywood. As a measure against their constant disobedience, and as, I suppose, an American effort to prove that all men are created equal and therefore should equally obey the laws, the administration decided to disband these 20. It said the sororities these girls were in were undemocratic and would have to stop. An assembly was called in the auditorium, not by the administration and not even by the girls themselves. It was a spontaneous uprising by the rest of us who were not going to have this fantastic show dismantled and taken away from us. The girl's principal publicly changed her mind. End quote. You have to be a filthy Armenian on the corner of Romaine and Genesee at 4 a.m. in the morning to know how good that story feels. And how sweet. Yes, girl, it's all about high school. Strike up the marching band, whip out the pom-poms, show some fucking school spirit. Because America, or at least Los Angeles, is all about high school. With the wide array of cliques and communities and the constant mythological quests and popularity contests and the sense of endlessness, the slow days, and the vital importance of music, of making noise, of Dodger Stadium, of the the recurring three, four-year adventure timelines, such as those involving the production of a typical movie. And when things get too painful, the ever-present opportunity to play hooky and skip campus to go to Palm Springs or Laguna Beach or Santa Barbara, or Vegas, or Lake Arrowhead, or even fucking Bakersfield 
for the grapes. It's all there. I've been saying this forever. I've been saying it since the 10th grade. And you got it, Eve. The meaning's not in college. The meaning is in high school. And you learned in high school that beauty is power. And God is a fascist when it comes to beauty. But you also learned there are other avenues to power. You learned that power, in your words, was the quality of knowing what you liked. And you liked beauty. And you liked charm. And you liked greatness. And so, you loved L.A. You didn't glamorize it or falsify it in order to love it. You just loved it. And that empowered you to tell the plain hilarious truth about everything in it and spark so much joy both in your life and in these books. A somewhat Oscar Wildean career. You knew what you loved, and I think I know what I love at this point, and that includes you and Eve's Hollywood and Slow Day's Fast Company. So in your honor, I met up with another admirer of yours, art critic Harry Tafoya. Some people call him Hamptons Harry. And we drove over to Laguna Beach. I drove because he can't drive. The setting of the darkest and perhaps funniest chapter of Slow Day's Fast Company. The chapter titled Emerald Bay. The fake artist's colony, where you spent vacations as a kid and loved to be driven in a convertible by a beautiful man for a weekend of waves crashing at your feet, blissfully free of art and thought. Laguna Beach, where you learned that a single uncensored thought about something as innocent as salad dressing could lead to suicide. Your public life ended the way so many dreams in L.A. do, in fire. When you dropped a match on your lap after trying to light a cigar, it's a little too close to home. I'm sorry you had to deal with so much pain in the last decades of your life, Eve. And I'm sorry it was the type of pain that, unlike the others, you could not heed your own advice and escape from somewhere like Laguna Beach. I get why you disappeared after that fire. Los Angeles gives you the right to disappear. At least until a literary seeker in search of a ghost story tracks you down. I'm glad Lilianalik tracked you down before it was too late. You said you'd never get married, Eve, and you didn't. Because you already were. You're the best wife my hometown could ever ask for. And Garden of Inshallah, perhaps I'll go down as a worthy son. I know the reason I feel so blessed. My heart still splashes inside my chest. But she, she is like a top. She cannot stop. She moves on.
one? Yeah, the one that you, you went to go see. There's like a bunch of those artists in there. Very avant-garde. Very avant-garde. Very avant-garde. You should have seen the one before. The one before at that show, at that gallery, um, it was some bitch who had just like a, a kind of like vitrine that you'd kind of see like in Chinatown, and it was just eels just in the middle of the gallery. Wait, just eat wheels? Eels. Eels and eels. a latrine? In like a vitrine, like a, oh, like, a vitrine. Wind, like a clear kind of glass box. What was the message of that art? It was... I don't even know what it, what it was. It was just weird. There was also like a video going on at the same time of like a woman getting slapped <laughs> as she was trying to say something. Oh, I, so, oh but that seems a bit on the nose. It was really... I, I just kind of loved it. I, I, I didn't, I mean, it's one of those like things where it's like, it's so New York random ass art gallery shit right. that I couldn't help but like it. I mean, you have a taste for random sewage spills of New York art type of thing. Is that the, is that, is it like, is it because of that? I mean, is that the <laughs> impulse behind your love? I have to admit, because I'm so, I mean, you're an art critic. Sure. And I'm not. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just an art. Art uh, artiste. Uh, yeah, and therefore, like, just and when it comes to visual art, I just I, all I can do is enjoy, yeah, or not enjoy, which and, is all that's demanded of you. Yeah, but that's it's not it's not that's not a thing that's in any way served in the last however many decades of, sure. of art, is it? Yeah, well, you have to you have to get to the. Um, it's not just being a matter of appreciation. You have to kind of engage with the concept itself. You have to engage with the concept. And it's like, is it, is it rewarding to engage with the concept? The answer for you is yes. Um, in that case, I didn't know what the concept was. It was more just like how psychotic it was to walk into this kind of blank space and be like, wow, there's just a big ass vitrine full of eels writhing around. I don't really see this shit every day. Right. And I could appreciate that, you know, the randomness and kind of chance of that I thought was appealing, but well, I can was, see was it good art? I, I, I have no idea. I mean, I can, <laughs> I can see how the, if, it, if, it, if it struck your attention mm-hmm. as something that's, you know... That, Funny. That did something. Yeah, yeah. It did something. I mean, I have moments every once in a while where, like, I'll go to a show and it will just feel like a movie for, like, how much of a parody it is of, like, damn, they really do do this shit in New York. Um, they really will just, like... I mean, the worst I've ever been to is this one artist who, like, the work was, like, a nail. It was, like, a single, like, like construction nail in the corner of the gallery. Oh, wow. Um, uh, and it was just such a, like, I don't know. And it was this... It was just such bullshit that I, right. I, I couldn't help but kind of like it. But that's what they're going for, right? They're going for such bullshit that you can't help but admire them for the uh, brazen for the effrontery yeah, yeah, the, exactly. uh, of just of just of just claiming that there is an artistic value to this yeah that this is art it's um it is bullshit and then it becomes a very vulgar thing when you see the prices attached to it as well and you're like oh my god well but then and then next thing you know it's it, it's sort of a race to the to the bottom of the bullshit barrel isn't mm-hmm. it oh yeah I mean, it's, yeah. But this is also old news, and I was wondering, like, is there any... Is there any movement away from that? 
that thing where it's just a race to the bottom of the bullshit barrel. There's always, so, yeah, yeah. The answer is yes. What's the movement away from it? What what form does that take? I wouldn't call it a movement necessarily. I would say that individual people are doing their job, which is to respond to the texture of the time and to propose something. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I think I don't know. I think art's redeemable if you do two thing, one of two things. Um, you can either make something very beautiful and very stunning, which you know you recognize it as being beautiful, and then it has value for you. Yeah. Um, the other one's proposing a kind of idea or way. Ready? Yes. Yes. Uh, also, one request is. To, oh, you turned it, it off. It is okay. on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Go ahead, uh, Mr. Tafoya. I think I'm going to do the cop salad. Cop salad? Or wait, sorry. I'm going to do the. I'm going to do the chicken Caesar salad. This is it with chicken? Yeah. Okay. Um. I'm gonna do the cop salad. Okay. Can I have, do you have ranch dressing instead of the vinaigrette? No, what a ranch, honey mustard, or balsamic? You have ranch, right? Ranch. Oh, okay, yeah, I want it with ranch. With no balsamic. No balsamic? With you want me to toss it? Toss it, yeah. Okay. But one question, one thing, can I just switch out the Roquefort crumbles for a different kind of cheese? Swiss uh, cheese, cheddar cheese, cheddar mozzarella, cheese. Cheddar, okay. What's the other one, the third one? Swiss cheese or mozzarella. mozzarella. Um, Let's do, let's do mozzarella. Mozzarella. Okay. Perfect. And, and ranch dressing is all tossed. Ranch okay. dressing tossed, yes. And uh, you okay with the water? Yeah, I'm good with water. Okay. Okay, I'll bring some bread in the minute. Cool. Thank you. You want to take it? Sure, thank you. Because the fact of the matter is that much like Eve Babbitt's that that afternoon at the house in Emerald Bay, I don't trust the vinaigrette. Yes. I don't trust the vinaigrette that's supposed to be on that lettuce. Mm-hmm. Gotta go with ranch. Yeah, gotta go with ranch. Well, I mean, this is this is also like a reoccurring archetype at this at this point for you. Oh yeah, it's it is my thing. I mean, I got two. There's two dressings that move my soul, and mm-hmm. that's ranch, and that's Caesar. Yeah there really isn't a third on a salad that I care about. Mm-hmm. I can do a good vine- like lemony vinaigrette if mm-hmm. it's like the Italian or Greek style. Sure. But uh, I don't like the balsamic vinaigrette. Yeah. Too, I don't like the vinegar. I don't like, I mean, my problem with the ranch is I don't like too like creamy, mm. I guess. I also think that I have like traumatic, I had like family like growing up who like would make salads with ranch where it would be like three pieces of like spinach or something and then it's like drowned drowned <laughs> well there's ranch. also the thing about how there's the, the ranch that you get from the store sucks disgusting it's horrible disgusting. it's just not even the same thing so it's worthless so ranch at restaurants is magical and mm-hmm. great so there's that there's like if you're making it at home it's, I could totally see hating it if sure. you're like forced to eat it as a kid and from like the Hidden Valley bottle it's disgusting yeah um like it's like the most fragile. What is it? Even? I think it's because I think it's just like the way they make it, the sour cream, whatever. If it's made fresh, I think they put a whole bunch of shit in the bottle uh-huh. to keep it preserved because otherwise it's not supposed to last that long. Sure. So I think that's mainly the reason. Mm-hmm. It's like totally takes the soul out of it. Yeah. It's not the same for Caesar for some reason. I've had bottled Caesars that's been fine, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm, but still similar because you're still making it with raw eggs. Yeah. You're making it with like whatever 
Anyway, it's important to have the right dressing on your goddamn salad. You're goddamn right. Let's get one thing straight here. It's not a salad if it's not a good. It's, it's not a quality dressing. Right. That's that is what. Otherwise, you're just a rabbit eating exactly. lettuce. Exactly. Exactly. Or some kind of very sick vegan, which is a rabbit. Which is a rabbit. Which is a rabbit. Yeah, we vegans are basically rabbits. Mm -hmm. I mean, no offense. No, no offense. I, I mean offense. There being offense. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, assured offense. Assured offense. <laughs> in, case, in case you were, didn't take offense. Yeah, fuck you. Please. We hate you. <laughs> we're talking about art, though. <laughs> we're talking about art. We're talking about... We're in an artist city. We're in an artist city. We're in Laguna Beach. We're in this little cove nestled behind the mountains in Orange County or in front of the mountains and uh, a beach a, a city that is known as an artist's colony mm -hmm. since when? I think it's always had this reputation of being an artist's colony since the 30s like in Hollywood and what did, it, what did an artist so it was a place where legit artists would go or was it a place where like Hollywood bounce off people would go I am entirely sure I think it's a mixture of it being cheap there must be some person who lived here I know that people like definitely sojourned over the weekends the weekend part I understand but yeah. it's like as a weekend sojourn but I, I, I there must have been a pipeline of there must be some refugee artists from like Europe also ending up here because oh, I think I've seen the names yeah the, well we'll explore the galleries and maybe they'll be able to tell us yeah I have that I feel like there are people who have been you know have rolled out of the Balkans and mm. ended up here mm. what are the big names I don't know mm. I don't know any artistic names other mm. than the most the biggest ones but I mean I just these are flickers of shadows of anecdotes that sure. I've heard like Anyway, what's an artist colony? It's a place where an artist goes to live for a while, right? Sure. So, hang, well, like a critical mass of them hang out, and it's cheap enough for them to do bohemian shit, right? You know, maybe it's nice, maybe it's not. It's usually bankrolled by some rich people. There's some rich people involved, perhaps. And there's plenty of rich people here. Yeah, plenty of them. Well, that was the. Um, I mean, I was doing very cursory research before you uh, had the good grace to pick me up. Yeah. Uh, the, the the gay population was at one point thirty percent. Whoa! Which is psychotic to me. That's that is. That's what. In what point was that? I'm not entirely sure. I, I think seventies, sixties, seventies. Thirty percent. The one point thirty percent. And the normal population was the same. I mean, the, the size of the place was the same, and yet 30% of it was gay. And what was yeah. the reason for that? It was just like a... It was... I think it was like a word-of-mouth thing. Yeah. I think it was a word-of-mouth thing that, like, this is a... I mean, you have, like, the natural beauty, right? And then you have a critical mass of your own kind. You know? One, one begets the other. And I think the thing that was interesting was that, like... I don't know. I, I can't even remember what the, what the outlet was that, that had this article, but... They said basically that, you know, AIDS wasn't the thing that did, did it away with it. It was the city council's refusal to brand itself. AIDS as city. Being. The city of AIDS. <laughs> AIDS Bay. Yeah, yeah, Emerald AIDS. AIDS. <laughs> yeah, it's not a haven for uh, AIDS-adjacent people. 
No, but but so but, it, it, it was the city's refusal to brand itself. Yes, and then what? Palm Springs' success at you know labeling itself like that the gay oasis. But it didn't the gay didn't Palm Springs gay oasis didn't that happen decades later like in the nineties or eighties nineties? Uh, it, it, it was post it was it was it appealed to the post San Francisco to the San Franciscan to, to the San Franciscan and then I th- I think that you know AIDS grief I think the combination of like AIDS grief this is a conservative part of California it's always going to be conservative those two things dovetailed together they saw how nice. Palm Springs was. Palm Springs was. That off they went. You know? Off they went from here. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy when you consider that. Oh, it feels so good. By the way, when the heat finally reaches I know. you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, they wouldn't have left if they had these outdoor heat, yeah, exactly. heating lamps back then. The gays would have been all over it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but it's 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 I, it's always crazy, and I love Palm Springs, and I spend a lot of time there, mm-hmm. as you know. As um, you know. I, yeah, because I because I I, I go there a lot, mm-hmm. and but it's so crazy to me when I hear about people moving from a place like Laguna Beach, mm-hmm. which is you know paradise on earth. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't care about action, mm-hmm. if you don't care about being in a city, it's paradise on earth. Like moving from there to the desert where it's 115 degrees, totally at least five months a year. You know, I mean, I'm I don't know. I'm from Newport, so went went over. And I'm shocked by same deal seasons in New York now. We're, the idea that it drops under like thirty right, or something—it's like right. what the fuck. And at least New York, I guess, is schizo with its weather, and yeah. you can find a sixty-degree day in the middle sure. of the winter. But my feeling about seasons—and I'm—I grew up in a, you know, as yeah, you know yeah. I'm, I'm LA all the way, so I get it. I get the Four Seasons desire. Mm-hmm. I get it because. It gives you a sense of progress in life. Yes. You know, there's always a new season coming. You're always doing something, even if you're doing nothing, even if you're just in a routine. You're always like, you're, you feel like you're part of the fabric of reality. Of humanity, sure. Right. I I see the charm for seasons if, like, winter is two weeks. Yeah. Spring is, like, eight months. Yeah. Like, hardcore summer is two weeks, where it's a 1,000 degrees. And, you know, like, if you give me two weeks of snow like yeah. on a vacation and I'm all for, for that four seasons otherwise totally. I'll stick to my one season and just you know go on vacation I mean like <laughs> we, we, we just had rain over Christmas right that's winter for that's us winter. yeah know? yeah that to me was like oh this is the hard this is the hardest winter we've ever I, had we've ever had we've ever endured I've never I do not remember how many years it's been since we had I can, I can sort of remember but like it's been literally 15 years yeah. since we had continuous rain mm-hmm. for 36 hours. Yeah, nonstop rain for th- for just more than 24 hours. It was like El Nino or something. Yeah, it was one of those. Yeah, yeah Mexican. Uh, it was one of those Mexican somebody, hurricanes. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Enjoy. Uh, can I get some pep- oh, peppers here? Okay, cool. Okay. Thank you. Well, those chubascos. Oh, that's true. Or no, it's, it's what's it called? Well, it's El Nino. El Nino was. Uh, there's one Nino. after El Nino. El Nino was like. 25 years ago if I, I don't know I don't remember but there was a few Mexican hurricanes that did that did you know the one that I remember is when the entire 101 there was a landslide over the 101 oh yes um, that basically shut it down for a week um, and there's stuff like that you know cute, cute stuff like that in our lives I mean the I don't know 
to me, the markers of, of the seasons in California are rain in the winter, and then spring and summer are basically indistinguishable. Summer is more intense version of spring, and then fire season in fall. Yeah, fire. Fire is a big event. Yeah. Of 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 weather here. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Which is horrendous and apocalyptic at no, times. It's it it can absolutely apocalyptic, absolutely infernal, especially the last five years. Yeah. I mean, my I've been evacuated in an extremely dramatic oh, fashion. No. I like I saw the flames coming fifty miles an hour in my direction. Yeah. My, of a family's house was ground zero of the Getty Fire, basically. Mm-hmm. Not, not ground zero of where it began, but of where it ended up surrounding. Yeah. Where the first one's out, the last one's allowed back in. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and that was like after a near evacuation nine months before. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like for about five years, we had a year off of it. But mm-hmm. for like the last previous five years, it was like a break, it was like a three, every few months. Anytime there was a Santa Ana wind, there would be five fires, yeah. and the whole city would smell like barbecue. Totally. I mean, I lived in San Francisco for seven years prior to my decamping to uh, New York. And I mean, it was just so... Like, like Silent Hill, basically, you know. The sun's completely blotted out. You have to wear... Edna. I mean, I was my experience with Edna and Five Masks was entirely... Thank you. Was entirely, um, you know, trying to uh, smog related. Right, right, right. I mean, it's intense. People don't think of it. People don't really think about it if they're not they're not in California because like, mm-hmm. oh, you guys are pussies. You're well, they had this recently in New York. There was like fires in Canada, and the ash had drifted down, so it turned the sun that kind of orange and did, color. And did everyone freak out? Yeah, they were like, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, yeah, it's a fire. Yeah. Yeah, welcome to our lives, mm-hmm. New Yorkers. I know. For fuck's sake. Everyone thinks they're so tough, you know. Exactly. New York tough. New York tough is, is nothing compared to coastal California tough. It's funny, though, because, like, my, um, my family worries about me constantly when like minor storms happen in New York because they really imagine that everything is Hurricane Sandy. Oh, right. There was like one that was like a hurricane that like touched down for a day. And my mother was like calling me the entire day being like, you need to make sure that you have the, you know, uh, non-perishable goods for like a week. I will say that the flip side of New York snobbery about California and LA. Mm-hmm. The flip side of that is Southern California horror about New York. It's mm-hmm. like there is this. Um, my mom has it. Everyone like people where it's. I think a lot of people in Orange County have it. Where they, the very thought of going to New York in the winter it sounds insane, insane to them. And it's like, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. And also the filth, and also <laughs> this and this, and it's like this. You know, New York is like this, like monster in the east. Yeah. Where you'd have to be a pig-headed, like crazy person to actually to actually like voluntarily to, go to, there. Yeah, exactly. To to confront, it's worse than Alaska. 
get out. Yeah, yeah. Well, because Alaska doesn't register, but New York is constantly in the news. And New York exactly. And you say, I mean, the, the the comparison. New York is the frozen tundra of the world. It's <laughs> the most violent weather. You you, right. you couldn't possibly imagine anything worse. Than right, that. which is totally not the case. Yeah. You know, like I mean, it's 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 compared to I mean, Chicago. It's way milder than Chicago. And no one ever thinks of Chicago that way, you know. No one ever thinks. When you go to Chicago, it's never like, oh, be careful. But Chicago's a thousand times worse Mm -hmm. weather-wise, it feels to me, Mm -hmm. because of the wind. Do you have, like, the, um, do you have the California horror of, like, like, I've actually never been to Chicago, but, like. Oh, you haven't. I can never contemplate living there because there's no ocean. Oh, well, that's like, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lake, and it's like, that's not, yeah. not the same goddamn thing. Yeah. I, I don't know if I have that issue, because I, for me, like, it doesn't feel like there's an ocean in New York. Mm-hmm. It's, just, I, it's as useless to me as if I'm in the middle of uh, the country. Like, mm-hmm. where's the ocean? Like, yeah, I, I like seeing the Hudson on yeah, some yeah. angles. You know, I like being to see some water. Yeah. But you can see, if I can see water... And a lake, that's fine too. Sure, sure. You know, the sense that you're not trapped is, and now in New York you may feel trapped after a while because just everything's so tall, totally closing you in. I I could do like six months before like I have to be somewhere for a week. Well, yeah. Plus, as many people say, you're Hamptons Harry. Hamptons Harry. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I am. Some people call you Laguna Tafoya. Some people, call, <laughs> some people call you Hamptons Harry, mm-hmm. and so you've got the Hamptons, not that, not but that far away. Not away, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it can't be helped. I love that you've made a Hamptons Harry a thing. I love that you've like breathed life into this golem that is Hamptons Harry. <laughs> I mean, it just seems it just fits like a glove to me. Mm-hmm. Nagorno Karabakh Harry. Karabakh Harry, yeah. Yerevan Harry. Yerevan Harry. Oh, man. No, you're ways away from Yerevan Harry. Although you would like Yerevan and you would actually... If, if you had... If you were socially broken into it, you mm-hmm. would like it. Because it's actually... It has a certain... Um, it has a certain, like... There's a... There's a community neighborliness vibe to it where everyone knows everyone. Mm-hmm. And there are there's a respect for the arts. Yeah. And you know, like there's a there's a, a there's a place there where if you made a few friends there, and you made a, and like in, and you kind of got and they got you and stuff, you'd actually probably mm-hmm. really enjoy being there. You know. And then is it also a place that has, I don't know, like like one of the reasons like why the caucus is interesting to me because like I would I would like there to be, like the fossil record of architecture where like it's, you know, Ottoman here, it's Soviet over there. Byzantine over here. Yeah, there's definitely. Well, obviously in Yerevan you have a lot of Soviet architecture, mm-hmm. um, but you also have pre-Soviet architecture, mm-hmm. especially in the form of churches. And the post-Soviet architecture, not so fun, but yeah, probably dreadful, horrible. But you do have, yeah, you have a lot. You have, but you have some good Soviet architecture, like the elite, where the elites would live and stuff. There's a lot of interesting points to to mm. artistic points. But how ancient does it go? Well, I mean, 
it goes as ancient as the pagan temple of Garni. Love it. So there's a one of the landmarks of Armenia is the pagan temple of Garni, which mm-hmm. goes back to pagan times. Sure. I don't know exactly when, when uh, the year, but uh, yeah. it's a few thousand. I mean, because I, I think about this with California quite a bit, where, you know, the oldest thing in Laguna Beach probably is, like, from 1920. Right. And there's a... It was actually a bit of a shell shock to go to New York and to be confronted with, like, the evidence of, like, history. The evidence of history... In New York, yeah, with New York, you have, it's you all have colonial there. New York. Yeah, you've got you have everything. Yeah, yeah. You have very, very recent history as well. Too, you've got the, um, you've got the tenements. You've got um, this horrible, you know, evil-looking neoliberal architecture. You've got, you know, these things all kind of. Uh, you, you have um, Art Deco. You have, they all kind of butt up against each other. Of course, which I is mean, nothing I, here. When I, yeah, when I. Except for like mission style. You got the mission style here, yeah. You have the Spanish, mm-hmm. you have it, you know, you can get that in also in uh, Santa Barbara. Yeah. And, I mean, you can find, that. that's, yeah, you find, here it's like, here the ghosts are mainly Spanish. Yeah. Mexican type of ghosts. Yes. There you have all kinds of ghosts. Yeah. And you have all kinds of, yeah. And when I'm there, when I'm in New York, I like that feeling that I've, I, I like that feeling of, Oh, it could be 1872 mm-hmm. in this block, you know? Totally. And it could be. It's never... We've got some cobbled streets here, you know? Yeah, We've you got... have to... The buildings are still the build... I mean, I'm not... If, you know, we're not talking about, like, skies... But there are many areas where it's just, like, short buildings. Mm-hmm. And it could, could, could be 1872, and there's a bunch of, like... Totally. You know, grimy immigrants... Yeah. ...scuttering about, like... Yeah, you, you, could, you, could, you could inject yourself into the past totally. because... You know, the architecture really is the fossil record of the city itself. It is, yeah. The architecture, the map, the, the streets, the, the, the also the mercantile energy. Mm-hmm. You want to see that there's people hustling, at, there's a bunch of little shops. So, but God forbid, like, mm-hmm. you know, God forbid it happens in New York the way it's happening here, where everything's kind of shutting down and becoming, mm-hmm. you know, uh, private and, um, I mean, delivery and shit. Like, as oh, long totally. as there's a million restaurants on everything, on every street, you're yeah. going to feel part of that old totally. yeah. bazaar. And I, I think that it would be, I don't know, because I haven't, I haven't spent any time in L.A. since the pandemic. Um, but I would imagine that there would be, you know, ghost town elements to it. I, I, I've heard this. Excellent. Thank you. I've heard the same thing in San Francisco as well, where, like, it's just completely shut down. And you can't really do that to New York because... There's too many people, and the way the city itself is built, it's just like you have to, I don't know, all be together. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. My favorite building is um, this one that kind of towers over um, the area colloquially known as Times Square. It's called the Forward Building. I must have seen it because I was in that area. Yeah, you must have seen it. It's a very kind of tall, stately, I don't know what the style is called. It's like a Georgian looking building. But then, if you look at it from a distance, you can see that like it actually has like a smattering of like Hebrew letters mm-hmm. on it. And forward was in They're the everywhere. <laughs> well, forward though was um, the site of the Jewish labor movement in the 1910s and 20s, and this like was their headquarters. Like um, 
Oh, was that was there a magazine called Forward? It was, yeah, it was called Forward. That was a leftist, like okay, yeah. Yeah, and if you look at if you look like at the sconces and stuff, you'll see like Karl Marx's face, and you'd be like, wow, this is such a great. And now it's luxury apartment buildings, which is such a psycho. Yeah, that's a yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so cool to me. I love that. Yeah, that's yeah. The capitalist superimposition over old leftist dreams of the workers' and then, revolution. And then the Jews were here too, and yeah, and the Jews were there for forever. I feel mm-hmm. like. It's a very Jewish place, which is always adds a nice touch, I find. I love it. Including in Prague, where I was in the summer, mm-hmm. where they have a Jewish quarter and stuff. Like, anytime there's a Jewish quarter, yeah. you know that shit's interesting. There. Totally. Absolutely. We need, we need to make it more like Jerusalem. We need to have a, Jew, a Jewish quarter. <laughs> yeah, we need to exactly. have an Armenian quarter. We yeah. need to have a... I mean, think about <laughs> it. If, if you have those quarters, how can you go... How can that place be dull? It can't be. can't be. It can never get dull if no. you have those quarters. Which is one of the reasons why L.A., you know, you can never write off L.A. is because people continue, all the L.A. haters continue to shrink L.A. into, like, a, this, like, Rodeo Drive Not true. show Not business, so. uh, like, figurine, like, block of, it's like, no, 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 no. That's, but a, but a tiny fraction. L.A. is quite literally the largest city on Earth because it's... Everything north of Long Beach, everything south of Santa Clarita, everything west of like, I don't know, some action. Well, and as also as Eve, Claremont, the Claremont. But it, but in my opinion, and this is represented in also the the excursions of mm-hmm. Eve Babbitts and her Babbitt's. book, and even of Joan Didion in her books. Mm-hmm. I I consider. Palm Springs to be an outgrowth of mm. LA. I consider Las Vegas to be an outgrowth of LA. Mm. I consider the mountains, Big Bear stuff, Laguna Beach, Santa Barbara. Yeah. Like the satellite parts of LA. They're all satellites of LA. Yeah. I'm not not all of them, but like I mean, not every single plate thing in the footprint is, but most yeah. of it is. Sure. You know. I um, get it. And to me, it's like That, these are all part of what I think of when I think of L.A. Yeah. And it took me a while to think of L.A. as anything, you know. I get a coffee, too, actually. Huh? I get a coffee, too. Coffee. So. And this, so, so, this brings us to the lady of our, the lady of the evening. <laughs> the Lady Eve. The late, the late lady. The late Lady Eve of the evening. Babbitts. Who, we're here in Laguna Beach. Emerald Bay. Emerald Bay, which is the title and the subject of one of the chapters in her best book, Slow Days, Fast Company. And yeah, there it is. If you could, I'm holding it up. Hold it up for the audience. <laughs> <laughs> hold it up for people to see. I've been I've been buying this book for people like crazy the last yeah. few months. Just it's the perfect it a, gift. It's the perfect gift. Yeah. Because it's the perfect. It's the so far in my life the best book that I've ever read mm-hmm. about the spirit of LA. And she's the only one so far who actually gets it yeah. that I find. And I've been on this quest because I'm, I'm working on a project where I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to capture LA, it, LA as I've yeah. grown up in it and seen it and learned to see it. Mm. You know, I didn't even think of it as a thing really until my 20s. Yeah. It was just too big to think of as a thing. Totally. Kid. Yeah. And I think that the reason like I, I would have gone harder, I mean, I might, I might even have stayed in California if I was uh, a driving-oriented person, which I am afraid to say that I'm not, because, you know, to... We've talked about this, Harry. We've talked about this many a time, but, but I think it's actually relevant here, though, because, like, 
there's no way that you could actually experience LA without a car. No, and, and every time I hear from a homosexual who's recently moved here. Yeah. And clearly has at least some income that's yeah. good. That's like, you know, and the way they just confidently say how they're living in Culver City and, oh, they don't need a car yeah. because the metro can take them here and there and there. Yeah, ridiculous. And I'm like, you, you're, you're living in a little narrow like, yes. straw of a world, yeah. my friend. Totally. You do not know shit you about know this jack place. shit about this place. And, and like, just I hear this over and over and over again, and it, and it appalls me. Yeah. Fills me with disgust and contempt. Contempt. It's the only word for it. Yeah. Anyway, you don't drive. <laughs> no, well, but, but, I mean, but like, I, I you know, I. Why just, don't you drive? I mean, as a matter of spiritual, what is the? What it was just, it's it? it just a matter of like, deep and profound anxiety every single time before I got, you know, when I got behind the wheel. When did this? Be, when did you first get behind the wheel and uh, find it unbearable? Fifteen. Oh, okay. So you tried early. I tried early. And you just, it traumatized you. It turned you gay, maybe. It turned me gay, probably. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think these things can be correlated. As long as you're, yeah, I mean, as long as it was a, it, it's a productive trauma, like it's a productive uh, hang-up for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, this has set me on my path, um, you know, in many ways. It, it made me seek my fortune out east. Yeah. That's undoubtedly true. But I mean, like... Reverse frontier. The totally. Reverse pioneer. Well, but reverse that's... cowgirl, reverse pioneer, <laughs> the new position. Yeah. But, like, that's what's so great about Eve Babbitt's and Jen Didion both. Like, to read about them describing driving and the kind of access to freedom that you have behind the wheel where you... And it is your horse, you know? Like, it is your, it is your kind of coach and buggy. You, you can go anywhere with this thing. Um... They're, they're quite poetic about that, actually. Yeah, it's the ultimate vehicle of freedom. Yeah. And there is none other like it. And its days are numbered, the way I can see it, because as soon as it becomes automatic and it auto, you know, like self-driven, mm. you're no longer going to be in control. Yeah. There's going to be a point where I don't think you're going to be able to do whatever you want with your car. Yeah. Not that you can technically do it now, but as long as nobody's looking, you can do it now. Sure. But everyone's... But there will always be some... It's gonna basically what's gonna happen with automatic cars. It's gonna turn. It's gonna put a install a highway patrolman in everybody's car, twenty four seven. Like you're not gonna be able to go. You know, you're not in control anymore. The state is now moving. You around. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's gonna. I mean, whatever for better. It's gonna mean fewer deaths. It's gonna mean fewer accidents. We know that. That's why it's gonna happen. It's gonna mean yeah. you can be drunk. It's gonna mean you can read in the car. You know, it's like you're in the subway mm -hmm. if you have the stomach that sort of thing it's going to mean all these nice things that are no-brainers i mean it's just going to be it's just going to mean the end of the city as you know it. it's the end of california as an experience as you know it you know i think i mean something small like um in la they got rid of the um what were they called the fluorescent bulbs on yeah, the highways yeah, yeah, yeah. and they replaced them with leds so you kind of see, like that's that's a real demarcator of like right. a time. So they where got rid of the fluorescence, or they got rid of the incandescence, or that the incandescence are old news, and now we're going to fluorescence, and now fluorescence are bad, and now we're on to LED. Is that what's happening? Because incandescent is the original. Yeah, whatever whatever original one there okay. was, like like the look of like Chinatown, right? right? Right. You know when you when you think of or, or the long goodbye, like when you think of like LA in a movie in color you think of that kind of color of light 
And you know, something as small as that changing to an LED, which is brighter and more clinical, that is the end of a certain kind of experience of the place itself. Of course, which is why I savor it anytime I see a place with an original uh, neon sign. Yeah. You know, like anytime you uh. see an original neon sign, it's just like, whoa. And even there's a place in Silver Lake, it's like a Terminator company or something, yeah. like a warehouse or some bullshit, but they have this beautiful, ne huge neon mm -hmm. sign. And I, it, it delights my heart yeah. every time I see it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you have to really cherish these relics before they're all uh, up upgraded, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you're right, it's gonna change this. Now, it can be good in the sense that if it makes it super easy for people to travel more in a way, like if it's like, oh, I can, I know it's somehow less stressful for me now to go to Santa Barbara. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. If that if that is the case and that makes and that expands people's because if if you're just a if you're a gay little bartender uh, or a gay little dermatologist living in Culver City who just moved here and doesn't have a car, yeah, like that life that you have crafted for yourself right now, where you're too lazy to even like go to Hollywood to meet up, is so re repellent to me. It's so atomized. I hate it so much, and yeah. the fact that they're satisfied with. Like this is a satisfactory life. Oh yeah, it's just very, it's very grim. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is all, this is also kind of part and parcel with the whole. Uh, I don't even know if it's just a gay thing. I think it's a, it's 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 more than that. I mean, I think it's a lot an of urbanity thing. I think it's an urbanity thing where like people are just like satisfied with their little stupid neighborhood. Mm -hmm. That's not even really a neighborhood. But the convenience of having everything close by and having this pat little routine where, like, I don't know how, I don't know, it drives me crazy. Yeah. It drives me, like, mad. <laughs> it makes me angry. Yeah. <laughs> no, you feel like, um, you oh, know, you, there's, there's a reason you move to a city, right? There's a reason, you, or to L.A. You yeah. can't move to L.A., Settle in Culver City and then tell me that Hollywood is too far for you. Yeah. I, I, I want to choke you. I want to strangle you when you say that. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Oh, God, the birds. The birds. This is a Hitchcock movie. Yeah, this is right now. God. The birds are here and they're picking. They're picking at our little carcasses. You could feed chicken to seagulls, right? Well, you know, one of the treats here is which we could partake of is um, there's an ice cream place mm. where they make the waffle cone fresh. Oh. So it's a hot waffle cone, mm -hmm. you know. It's right across. I was at Balboa Island the other day for last Oh, sojourn. yes, yes. Oh, it's too bad. Yeah, we have to go there one time too for, you know, on the record, but mm. yeah. I mean, if you have time, <laughs> you want to go back? Well, yeah, there's always, there is, there's that. Possibility. We can do whatever. We want. I mean, this is again we, with cars. You can do whatever you want. That's the wonderful thing. We're, not, stu we're not stuck here for five weeks. Yeah, exactly. Because we, because we're living by the rules of 1824. Exactly. Voluntarily. 1948, more like 84. No. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. 48 had cars. 48, 48. had freedom. <laughs> I was thinking 84 because uh, God damn it. Because of 1940s. Because of George Orwell. Yes. 
Yeah. Oh, that's the joke I was trying to make before I. Uh, before you realized that cars existed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chicken. <clears throat> Worst chicken you've ever had. It's pretty shitty chicken. Let me try it. Just so rubbery. Oh my god. Yeah. You got it. Couldn't make it worse if they tried. Yeah. This would have been a very important detail mm -hmm. in Eve Babbitt's review of this restaurant. Yes. This supposedly French restaurant. Where the chicken is plastic. Yes. You know, and she'd probably find a way of, of, of uh, nonetheless, regarding it as better than France. She would find that way. Yeah, she'd find a way. She would find that way, even if even if it involved tying in the suicide of, yes. of the of the chef here. Yes. I mean, I like Eve Babbitt's for also being a nativist. You know. Explain. Yeah. She goes hard for LA. Any more coffee, anything? I'll take some more. I'll bring it. Thank you. She goes hard for LA. She doesn't really go beyond her, you know, even even beyond her satellites, really. I mean, where's the farthest that she goes in, in this? And this one, the farthest she goes is, is Bakersfield, mm -hmm. which is great, which is perfect. Yeah. That's, that is a perfect, that is a perfect That is exotic. Border. Yeah, that's yeah. a perfect, like, farther border, outer yes. border uh, of LA. Um, she doesn't even go to Vegas in this one. No. If I don't, if I recall. I mean, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, this is another big Didion difference. Like, Didion goes to, like, you know, El Salvador and shit. Like, well, she got all in her career. Well, Didion made the huge mistake of moving to New York, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think that her writing became way less interesting once she moved to New York. Sure. And, um, and I think it reinforced the manneristic tendencies of her style, of her writing style. You know, she had a certain mannerism that she, she kind of she fell into this groove the decorative just like the repet you know like the kind of repetitive yeah. the rhythmic this like very this like transparently rhythmic uh, thing where she kind of tries to lull you into a sense of semi-depressed semi-depressive trance this is you know not to slander Eve but like Eve Babbitt's lost her muse much more quickly it seems Oh, clearly she did. I mean, yeah. I don't even know. That's why we don't. We didn't. I didn't know about her until, I don't know how, like a, a less than a year ago. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing too. It's like you can't. Like the best part about Eve Abbott is you can't. I don't know. I, I've been thinking about this like with Polya too, um, because Polya and Didion both are people who you can read them and then make inferences about the state of society through their writing. You know, and you can't really do that with Eve Babbitts. You basically go with her along for the ride. True, she's not, which makes her. I mean, you made a great. She with Eve Babbitts, you're going along for the ride, and you're you're more present. Yes. And you're more in the actual vibe of the place. You're more open to sensation. Yeah, you're more open to sensation, and she's not making grand points yeah. all the time. Yeah. Uh, which do, Didion, yeah, Didion is more of a critical writer. Yeah. Like, I, I always, that's why I've always, I never thought of her as a novelist. Like, I mean, I read, I read Played As It Lays as a freshman in college. Yeah. I'd already, I'd already really enjoyed her White Album and 
slouching towards Bethlehem. So for me, it was like, played as it lays was this like minimalistic, I mean, I enjoyed it in a way, but it was, to me, it seemed more narrow than mm -hmm. her, than her, her essays. And I don't know, it, it felt like there was less flesh to her fiction. Yeah. Writing than there were to the, to, to the nonfiction, because in the nonfiction you have the, her wit has full reign. Yeah. You know? Especially those early ones. Totally. Um, and, and that's like, like, interesting. And, and she's also like engaging beyond her muse. Like she has to right come in contact with these characters who she, she's taking us to Joan Baez in the Bay and she's to Bay Area and she's taking us to Howard Hughes and she's taking us to Comrade Lasky. Comrade and Lasky and she's taking us to John Wayne and she's taking us to yeah uh, 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 Linda Kasabian, mm -hmm. Armenian shout-out, <laughs> did the Manson murders. She's taking us all over the place. Yeah, and, and she's... I mean, some people are better or more interesting when they're observing yeah. other freaks, you know? And yeah. just, like, in, in their... Ver in, the, in, a, in a super... Um, in, a, in this super lucid way, which Didion had. Yeah, I mean, she's the center of the universe in her writing, which um, you know proved disastrous in the hands of millennials. Um, <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, well, so, yeah. I mean, everything has proved disastrous in the hands of millennials because they always take the wrong. But, but like, like the whole point of her being the center of the universe, though, like what that was in service of was description of others and people beyond herself and right these patterns that she could discern and. Yeah. I don't know, a, a way a life changes and I think that that's incredibly valuable but I think also I don't know I like the um, did, you, did you read Eve's Hollywood? I haven't read that one yet it's, that's the, that came before this one right? and it's I, oh Eve's I'm not sure. I thought I did because I think I was I mean anyway either way I heard it was more sketchy yeah it's a bit sketchier but she has like this incredible introduction though where she thinks the Didion done. So she thanks Joe Didion for being what I don't have to be. I, I remember that, that line. Which yeah, my so quoted. cool. <laughs> yeah, being what I don't have to be. Yeah, it, it, she's the free. Eve is the freer voice and the freer spirit. Mm -hmm. I, that, that was my first. Totally. That was my first impression. Um, she was free to just be, and yeah, that is also truer to the reality of LA mm -hmm. where mostly people are being and not thinking versus you know in New York you're thinking all the time and you're you're expressing your thoughts but in LA people like the the organic pulse of LA I mean there are freaks like me who are thinking all the time yeah and and that's why I'm such a freak I think also certain sectors of LA as well because I think of like Hollywood as being so self-conscious Hollywood <sighs> Is it self-conscious? But it's so—it's self-conscious in such a myopic way, and such a it, that it becomes singular. selfish way that it's yeah that it that it is becomes yeah it becomes singular because they're not there is very little Cause abstract not, reflection yeah because 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 it's it's different from DC which is arguably another kind of one industry town but it's different because Argu that's not arguable that is what DC well, is but 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 you know the difference there though is like you know. The myopia of El of Hollywood is in service. You have to like put on an affect to sell yourself, yeah. as opposed to DC, where you have to anonymize yourself at all costs. I mean, yeah, you anonymize yourself, and the avatar you choose in DC it's is satanic is by default. Sa <laughs> is a satanic one of, and it's like you. Everyone's a lawyer in DC, basically, yeah. for their the client of their cause. 
you know, it's like I spent nine months in DC and it nearly drove me to suicide because yeah. like I was like, this is the, I have never felt, I mean, again, I was only 22, 23. Sure. So there's a lot of other factors going into this, yeah. but I felt like a non, I feel like non-existing person there. Totally. I felt like after the first few months were good. The first few months there was a bunch of interns. We had, you know, there was a collegial atmosphere. It was fun. Once that went away and the professionals settled in for the, for the, for the fall, mm -hmm. like I remember it was like sometime around early October where I just hit the bottom, you know? Yeah. And it was the gayest town too at the time. This is like 2007 and eight. To yeah. me, it felt so, so like, like, you know, there was this like immense, like beastly closeted pressure mm -hmm. kind of breathing from every totally. corner and the swampy weather. It was like, there was something so demonic about the whole place. And then the economy, the kind of, the shadow economy of like sex work and stuff that like kind of grows up to service that like closeted disgusting desire. Yeah. As well. Which, which I, you know, I, I, I couldn't, there was no, I wasn't able at the time to see any fun part of it because I was in total, uh, I was in total flight from all any kind of intimations of such desire that, mm. that were appearing to me at the time. Really? Yeah, that was my pre, that was before my career began mm. as a as a practicing, you know. Sodomist. Sodomist. Yeah. And so, like, I was just like, it was so scary mm -hmm. in a way. And it was just so, it was, it was so unfree. It was so, like, yeah. locked. It was so, and ultimately it was boring because I, I it felt it so like boring. everyone around me was perfectly satisfied in their one-dimensional little yeah. corner. Yeah. Working for this policy think tank or that one or this person or yeah. this senator. And it was just like, yeah, I mean, I, the light went out completely for me. Were you, did you have like sentience about things like Butt Magazine and things like that? No. All I had sentience about was porn that was online yeah. that, that I ventured into. That yeah. was it. Um, which rocks, though. <laughs> and rent, and 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 I had and I had sentience about Craigslist, and I had sentience about like rentboy.com. Yeah. Right, as like these, and and you know oh, I like wow, that's so grim actually. Yeah, I had sentience about those two things. I don't know why, particularly specifically those two things, but uh, I, mean, I mean, well, the, I know why about porn, but I don't know why about rentboy.com. I don't know how that got on my radar. Yeah. But it, it did. I mean, I just um. Because I, I don't think I had this in the kind of ex, extreme same way. Um, because at the same time, we had Prop 8 here. And then the response to that was um, a kind of ultra super tolerance that um, was basically as... It was open and out and proud, but it was completely sexless and suffocating. Yeah. Well, it's and a DNC homosexual. It's like the DNC sexual orientation. D exactly, exactly. Glee, glee, or glee. glee orientation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like you're you were a gleeviant. Yes. And gleeviancy is not as good as the old-fashioned deviancy because it's so fucking like weirdly. First of all, it's inf infantile. It's completely infantile, and then you also. It's melding the infantile with like these absolutely debased, like you could be a Disney gay who's also a complete gaper, um, fisty <laughs> kind of person, you right? Know? Right. It's like this. It's like basically like it's like it's like. Um, I mean, I don't want to use. See, I don't know, like. It's like it's like this weird. It's like. 
it has a CP aspect to it totally. almost because it's like it's anime. Yeah, it's like you're watching. It's like you're watching uh, uh, animated gay porn, which starring Disney characters. Yes, because they're that's what they are. They're yeah. Disney characters. They're little Disney people. Like you, they're not real people. Did you see the DNC guy who's getting dragged? It, no. it was like a, it was like the worst thing I'd ever seen. Um, Danny Barefoot, who's like this horribly cringe DNC person, but um, somebody did sleuthing and discovered that his third stole his boyfriend. And I was like, that is the most like, and they they look like you know he, he's a DNC person, so like he looks like a complete plasticine, right? Smiling glee. A faggot. third stole his. Oh god. Yeah, and I was like, that is just so. And then like they also. The two of them also look like Ken dolls too. And you're like, ugh, God, this is so unsavory and no, I, no I thank you. Yeah, I completely. Can't, it's 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 really is interesting and and it, like just how consistently any sort of depiction of a supposedly successful gay couple, especially if they're like presenting themselves as a uh, spokesman for a cause or for, you know, like, they're, like, supporting, like, vote for this or whatever. Like, you see two gays and, like, maybe there's a kid involved. And it's, like, it's invariably... Yeah. Like, it's invariably depressing. Yeah. I I haven't seen one. The gay... The the ones I like to see are, like, oh, there's a bird right now, right here. A seagull has come to join us in our chit-chat. Do you think that he captures the uh, esprit of Eve Babbitt's oeuvre? <laughs> I think so, because look, he's he's just he just tit- tittered over here on his own or her own, around. looking around, he? observing. Sure. Has a certain regal countenance. I, mean, I love Steve Balls. They're so pretty. This is a handsome looking guy. He is handsome. Yeah. It's a handsome seagull. He's just looking around. He's like just scanning the environment, mm. not making any sudden moves. I mean, he wants food, clearly. Clearly. Should we enable him? I don't think so. Nah, probably not. Probably not. But that's okay. You know, resist uh, uh, a deprivation builds character. Absolutely. This Absolutely. Is, yeah. And then that's what... So you are so you had your... So you were in this suffocating environment, because you're a whole full-ass decade younger than I am. Uh, you, you were... You kind of rose in this gleeviant environment. What was that like? Um... Well, I mean, I'm from a very... My, my family is very, very liberal. Your mom is an author. A liberal. <laughs> no, 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 no. 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 Don't. Okay. Uh, um, but, but, I mean, like, you know, very liberal background. There was no reason why I shouldn't have felt completely and utterly supported. I think the thing that kept me in the closet longer... I said this before, but, like, it is that kind of gleviant force in the world. And I thought that, like, it would immediately condemn me to do so like to speak it would to be to make it true you know mm-hmm. and i think that um i don't know san san francisco when i moved there still had trace elements of a genuinely objectionable kind of gay culture to it right um, is it just like the let the kinks and the people peeing on each other and stuff on the street uh, or yeah. yeah yeah and i think you know people um love to wring their hands about it and be like oh my god you sickos on, online, they live. They live to do that nowadays. But like, it was refreshing. I have to say. And when was this? That you? When was this? I moved there in 2012. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you had just enough time. Yeah. I had just enough time to like catch. 
the tail end of that. The tail end really of that. The ta- that you uh, from the beginning of the 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 like the total Gleviant, uh movement. Yeah, I, I could totally see that. That was sort of the sweet spot. The last totally. The last little gas of that. Yeah. Is that gone now in San Francisco completely? Because I wouldn't know. I, I've barely been there. I mean, when I left, it felt so utterly depressing. When did you leave? 2018, 19. Oh, okay. You were there quite a while. Yeah. I didn't realize you spent that much time in San Francisco. Yeah. I went there for college, and then I stayed on for three years. Okay. Where did where, you go exactly in college? I went to San Francisco State. Oh, okay. SFSU, baby. SFSU. So, you had a full-on San Francisco experience, and you witnessed its total... Immiseration. Like, yeah, <laughs> like decline. As, yeah. a, as a place of interest to you. I mean, as an artistic critic, how did you, like, like what it, for you, I mean, what is the story of San Francisco in those six, seven, eight years? I think I got into... Well, I got into art in San Francisco, and I think part of it was because the shows and stuff that I was seeing there was a style have you ever seen that documentary Beautiful Losers um I've read the Leonard Cohen novel but I haven't re- I haven't with that title but I haven't seen the <laughs> it's so far removed from the Leonard Cohen I, I've heard of it though but tell me but refresh it's that kind of art style um uh with people like Barry McGee and Margaret Kilgallen um it's a kind of street style art it kind of comes out of graffiti it's very very twee mm. and about imagination and when is this i think it came out in 2005 it's like this kind of style oh okay no i and it's a, it's like an artsy documentary like that like a like a trippy type of yeah i mean it's just like kind of dedicated to like this kind of brief graffiti okay so it's about that movement or whatever it's about this kind of tiny little movement it's um watching it recently again with some distance it's like so suffocatingly urban outfitters twee shit uh-huh. um but like that kind of aesthetic was so visible and present among tech stuff and it was very weird because like it, it was about that kind of style of art was all about kind of celebrating the kind of healthy and productive deviancy that we all engage in. You know, it's like about drinking and being with your friends and skateboarding, all that kind of shit. But it was so compatible with this, like, Silicon Valley tech ethos. Mm-hmm. Those two things went together so, so well. And it just kind of um, uh, revolted me. Yeah. <laughs> in a really intense way. I remember this one show in particular. Um, it was, you know, it had like the kind of press release that was all about like it's about imagination. It's about kind of looking at the city through a child's eyes. Very cringe shit. Yeah. But then, it, you know, it, the galleries on Market Street, main kind of thoroughfare. Microsoft Paint. Microsoft Paint. But these, you know, these artists have children. They bring in their kids, and then they're all talking about like how nervous they are to take them back because the homeless have completely taken over that area and they're so like nervous you know like 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 the the anxiety about like having to navigate the homeless problem was so real and felt and so at odds with this kind of magical city by the bay that they were kind of portraying and it's like oh god what the fuck is i don't know those kind of contradictions kind of broke my brain i was like i have to is he, write about I mean, this w- w- so to what uh, to what degree are these 
uh, contradictions constituting a red pill that you are swallowing? What it, like what, where would you where would you? I'm assuming you had you got red pilled by some of this, or maybe you preceded this. Sure. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it was that. It was just like I don't know. Toward toward my tail end, it was things. It, it was like when I would find things like red scare as well. Um, Which is you, way until 2018. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, but but I mean, like you could you could see these contradictions playing out all across the city, where like you'd see these gorgeous glittering skyscrapers compared to like absolutely medieval filth on the streets, and that's an aesthetic problem, you know. Like, um, it wasn't charming to you. It wasn't just the charm <laughs> of contrasts. Of- no, it was it was brain breaking. It was right. so punishing to have to deal with this. So, like like I don't know. The last time my father visited me in San Francisco, he stepped over a dead body to on his way over to, you know. Did he kick it to make sure it was dead? I don't know. He's like he was like yeah. He was like green and on the floor, um, and like a cop was coming over. So, but like, oh God. just so grim. So it was a gradual thing, though. I'm, I'm just trying to get you know the. I'm just trying to get uh, the, the timeline of, of Hampton's Harry Defoya. Hampton's Harry. Yeah, it, it was a gradual thing. It was, it was, I don't know. I encountered these things all as like visual problems and aesthetic problems before like I got political about it in any right, way. Right, right, right. I don't even think I'm that political to date. Well, it's not about getting political about it. It's, it's not. It's really more about how much awareness you have and clarity you have, yeah. and that you're allowing yourself to have about the events of the world yeah. and life like you know whether translating it into a political stance is a different is sure. a different sure, stage sure. it's like the most important thing is that you're seeing things clearly yeah it, or it, seeing or, or at least questioning things pro- like the, that need to be questioned mm-hmm. you know like not just swallowing this shit yeah yeah and, and finding re- and, and, and accepting the propaganda answers for why everything is it, it, why, why everything is the way it is yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I. Sorry, I'm looking at the sequel. Um, oh yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I, I encountered that all as a visual aesthetic problem first, um, and you know, the art world stuff was very redolent of that. I mean, people don't really have much access to it and I don't mean that in the sense of like you know there's a literal thing of like you know is there a gallery by your house are you by a museum I mean more so like you walk into the place and like there's no wall text and then you get the text like in a press release and it's like the most mindless dribble bullshit that you've ever seen in your entire right, life right and you're and, just like what am I doing here yeah and it's like what, what am I doing here and then I feel bad for not liking it maybe um, yeah, it's a con. Every little, every little instance of this sort of like, you know, uh, lip tartary, to for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. is essentially like an assault on your sanity. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just basically it's 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 it's, it's denying it, reality to your face. Yeah, it's denying rela- reality to your face, and then it's shaming you for not mm-hmm. seeing the uh, the thing that 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 doesn't exist. Totally. And it's just like there's a little bit of that gaslighting. It's a little prepackaged, yeah. little. And it's cold it's the pellet. moral thing too, where like it's, I mean, the the part that I really hate is like when it would operationalize art in ways that I didn't think was 
uh, appropriate or capable of actually doing like misreading art fundamentally right right you know we have to um i don't know we have to read this as a feminist parable about it's like no it's just a book about wanting to be horny and get fucked right i don't know which is far more profound and far more universal and far more uh far more unified with the destiny of mankind yes than your uh flash in the plan like flash in the pan academic little ideology uh campaign that you're attempting to impress upon the public yeah in the last 18 months which is also indistinguishable from advertising which is also indistinguishable from um you know it takes a real amount of gall to like basically like make a graphic t-shirt and to like call that a, a, a profoundly moving feminist statement with major implications it's like no this is a, a lie on, on, on the face um, I hate you for doing so I don't know yeah it's no it's, it's these are all health the healthy responses of a well raised child raised by liberal parents to so connect to your because it's an interesting thing too that you know a lot of times I feel like the children of super liberal parents, there's a rebellion that, you know, there's that natural rebellion cycle where if you grew up, if you had super liberal parents in various ways they annoyed you mm -hmm. or frustrated you or just the environment itself, like, gave you something to call out. Yeah. Um, but in other ways, you can totally see how your parents imbued you with the strength or with the, with the sharpness of mind to become yourself sure. so like how does that work with your if, with your situation and with your parents my parents are not hypocritical in any way which is a very profoundly healthy thing so you you were able to absorb their consistency of vision yes. and apply it and see how that was lacking 100 percent. yeah they, they, they did not uh, there's there's no they, they meant what they said which is um admirable i really actually really appreciate that um like my mother um is a writer you yeah. know um and she wasn't bullshitting me when she said like this is a thing people can do and that you could possibly do it too um yeah i i, I really appreciate and admire them for that um i don't even know the politics stuff I never, like, I never had, like, a, you know, the politics stuff came gradually. I don't even really like talking about politics or, or objecting to them on the basis of theirs. Mm -hmm. um, but you're just, it's, but again, it's just an awareness awareness thing. Yeah, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Like, I mean, we, we, we both know that merely being cognizant of the fact that there's more to the kind of official story uh -huh. about, you know, whatever, you know, whether it was Trump or whether at the top for five years of insanity or whether it's whatever else is coming up, coming down the pike. Like, just being aware of that alone is a, uh, is a, is, is a huge red pill, you know, just being aware sure. that there's more to the story. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the, that's the one thing that's not allowed is to suggest that there's more to the story. Yes, and, and also that other people are not... Like, I'll, I don't like Trump, for instance. I, I, I've never liked him ever. But, you know, people have valid reasons for liking him. Right. You know, 
there's more to the story. There's more to the story. There's more to the story fundamentally, um, which is a notion that you could not press by my parents, you know? Yeah. The, their absolutism about things like that um, could be a bit frustrating, I have to say, but like, whatever, fuck it. And, um, yeah. Yeah, no, there's, there's a boomer element to that. I don't know if your parents are boomers, but there's a thing where, there's a thing where, you know, like you see this in the you see this in like the Jewish boomer world too mm. you know like where they're like they still have like Larry it's kind of like curb your enthusiasm politics where yeah. like at, you cannot push them beyond a point where they are Democrats and where like the Jewish Jews are Democrats Jews are supposed to be Democrats no yeah. matter what uh-huh. they'll notice every single idiocy of 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 like you know wokeness and liberalism uh-huh. on its own but you you cannot compress these noticings into into a conclusion that is anything other than <laughs> vote toward the Democrat Party because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what we've done since Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh wow! I'm gonna save myself for the ice cream. I'm a, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass. Thank I'm you. gonna pass and take the check. Yeah, sure. thank, thank you. you. I'm not trying to force the ice cream on you, but it is a nice little thing. <laughs> I'm excited for the ice cream. Um. Yeah, and I, I don't know. No, I mean, yeah, I'm just curious as to how it developed for you because you're of a different, whatever, you're early millennial? What are you? If I'm the latest possible millennial at 36, or the earliest possible. You're the earliest possible. I'm the latest possible. You're the latest possible. I'm on, yeah, I'm, I'm a cusper for sure. We're, we're flanking the entire millennial yeah, exactly. battalion. Look at us go. <laughs> yeah, from both sides. Yeah. Eiffel Towering the, <laughs> the millennial generation. <laughs> High five in yeah. across the distance. <laughs> I would love to see those some of the some such depictions in Laguna Beach, you know. Yeah. That'd be so fun. Yeah, I don't really know how, how more erotic the art is out here though. I doubt it gets very erotic. No. I mean we we passed by a very compelling statue of um, Henrik Ibsen. Oh, that was Ibsen after uh, all? Looking like he does look like Marx, so it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. It was Marx. So that's cool that there was an Just Ibsen. A beardy fuck, you a know. Beardy fuck. I like Ibsen though. I we need to take a picture with that. Ibsen's stuff. cool. I'm a big fan of Ibsen. Yeah. I love his uh, his Nordic severity, you know. Mm-hmm. And his like he was Ayn Rand's favorite play, playwright. Oh. Henrik Ibsen, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she. Actually, yeah, she, how do you how do you feel about the whole Ayn Rand thing on Twitter right oh, now? Oh, I love it. Of course, well, right up my alley. I love it that it was set off by Zach, Chichi Langley, in uh, uh, being a it? bitch, being a, being a wonderful bitch. I love that tweet. I love it. I love any time because the beautiful thing about Ayn Rand is that it makes it so vindicates my obsession with her in high school because mm-hmm. it's like it doesn't matter what. T- decade you decide to step in uh-huh. she she triggers the exact same tidal wave of hate mm-hmm. from the exact same uh, uh, merry-go-round of losers <laughs> <laughs> it's just wonderful I love it and you know not all not only losers but just the same sort of knee-jerk received yeah. hatred of her just survives through the decades and so does her work yeah it's just this wonderful thing I can't think of I mean, name any other writer who wrote during that time. Let's say, let's just pin it from 44, mm-hmm. like from 40 to 57, which is 
Foundhead came out in 43. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atlas Shrugged came out in 57. There's plenty of excellent writers from that era. I mean, I can't think of any. But how many have sur- how many have such a such influence today and are still read to the, with the same kind of organic interest today? Yeah. Is the question. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think she also, she's also a very rare writer because she also is so invoked politically as well. And well, I think that I think that also crosses wires with the, right. um, you know, instinctive, uh, I may hate them, but I'm still Democrat forever, kind of, you know. Of course, yeah, it crosses wires. But, you know, when I was growing up, I mean, it's also very common. It's also very common for you to, like, love Fountainhead at 16, mm-hmm. not have any clue about it, because it's not a political novel. Yeah. I mean, Atlas Shrugged is political, but even still, you can read Atlas Shrugged. If you're a kid, if you're a, if you're young enough and you're not actually like all up into politics, you can read at, even you can you can even read Atlas Shrugged and not necessarily, uh, you know, connect the dots. Like it's possible. I mean, this was like this was Nora Ephron's thing. Like Nora Ephron was um, a young Ayn Rand reader, and her big takeaway was like. Yeah, I definitely want to get raped by an architect. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I want yeah. To... yeah. And then she read it again. and Was like, I don't agree with any of this. I don't agree. With... Yeah, yeah, of course they have to. Like, uh, <laughs> there's this whole. Yeah, so it used to be very common. I don't know if it still is, but it used to be very common, and it is still common because you hear, you see people who have no, don't know any, other, like don't know any better, loving Ayn Rand. Yeah. And then, and then, some point, somebody tells them, "Oh, you know, she's horrible. You know, she's a fascist and Jesus." Oh. And then they have to go back and they have to retcon their love of her into hate and be like, "Oh my God." This is yeah. You this is ha- this is to. so like this happens all the time. Yeah, and it's and it used to happen in a more professional sense, like the Nora Ephron sense, which yeah. is you read it, you read it, you become a writer, you become a literary minded person, you lose control to the horny girl who read Fountainhead and was absolutely galvanized mm-hmm. by it, and then you have to be have come up with this correct, a uh, reappra- reappraisal mm-hmm. of what Ayn Rand is. Yeah, and it's just so. Banal, and you I've just, seen this happen generation after generation. Well, it's also generation. so like it's just so like that. The insistence on a correct take is just so anti-art, you know. Like it's it's so um, yeah. you can't just let this thing be. You do have to. I don't even know what the word is. Oper- not operationalize it necessarily, but like. Yeah, it is up. Oper- it's like it's you're, 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 you have to close yourself down forcibly, and you have to put you have to release an official it. statement. You have to release an to official statement about fucking about fucking Iran. No, you don't. No, you, you don't. And also, you have to understand that there is no such thing as that. This is something I I had to go endure through too, because it, liking Iran was never was not allowed or mm. cool in even in any circle sure like as a circle beyond being an you know beyond like the pure Ayn Rand circle yeah no circle beyond that is liking Ayn Rand cool when I as I grew up yeah it was like this you know it was like it was just scoffed at you know mocked by every every corner and every political direction too and and it's like so I had to completely bury that that element of my uh, that that whole experience of my life which is quite a lot and when my conclusion is that if you have any kind of um, confidence in yourself and if you have any confidence in your vision of the world and what and what what is and what isn't like greatness in a uh-huh. sense like as a as a force mm-hmm. you can't you can never disavow 
an influence like that, you know? Or you if you just... wanted to get raped by an architect, Nora Ephron, <laughs> you can't disavow <laughs> the message. That you, like, you can't disavow what the Fountainhead meant to you. And she didn't. I mean, she did. She, she didn't. didn't. Oh, good for her. I don't, yeah. uh, I don't have her story in my head. Like, mm. yeah. Good that, it's good that she did it. Yeah. No, I mean, she, she recognized the very real human response that it invoked in her in the space of this writing, you know, regardless of, like, the extent to like which she was able to digest like the political implications of that but then like that's a very humane response just be like it did it did it did this thing for me yeah it did this thing for you it made me feel this way and and for me rape had nothing to do with it Mm -hmm. it was purely it was purely the uh the the complete and total like the complete and total intellectual independence yeah. that she imparted. And I mean, my like woman who did that for me was Susan Sontag. Interesting. You know, and what 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 part of her did it? What work? Notes on Camp or something else? Um, I. It must have been. I mean, Notes on Camp. That entire book, against interpretation, was like mm-hmm. my big. And then that she was like. I mean, it, it's very similar to Ayn Rand, where it's like she took these beautiful photographs and she looked so. She was a commanding woman of letters who right. um, also was glamorous. So you're you're in no sense trying to be the next Susan Sontag. <laughs> sure. I mean, why not? Why not? Why not? No, not 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 the worst thing to be. Right. I'd go for it. I want to be uh, the best Harry Tafoya, which is a gay thing to say. But the best Harry Tafoya. The best Harry Tafoya. Well, if you... I if I could punch in the same weight class as Sontag, that'd be ideal you know but I mean it's I don't think it's beyond your powers to punch in that weight class because she only punched in it for a brief time mm-hmm. and then she sort of floated off into her uh, penthouse apartment with Annie Leibovitz paying the bills it's just terrible because um, you think to yourself like I mean this is where I do have like faded twink syndrome uh, <laughs> faded twink syndrome <laughs> FTS where I do have a, a you know a very kind of market case of uh, faded twink syndrome uh, where she did that at like 20 like such a crazy tender age able to carve out a space as a as a public intellect. and the take economy is just like so not the same thing you know you kind of mourn for like having that access to that kind of world of culture well of course we all have you know anyone but, who is bitten by the uh, writing bug can all can, can can but like just like slobber and gaze in longing at that era. Oh my god, it's ridiculous. And and like, for me, I felt the rupture in real time mm-hmm. because even though that era had its own thing and whatever, there was still a magazine. There was still a semblance of intellectual magazine culture right up until two thousand and seven or so, seven, eight, nine. What's the, what's the end point there? The 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 total. The depression, great de- the the depression oh, of, yes. of two thousand and eight, yeah. kind of forcing the digital revolution at the say happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Newspapers going from their peak in two thousand and three, mm-hmm. print print goes from its peak, like it's act it actually hit a peak in two thousand and three to a absolute free free fall yeah. by two thousand and eight. When I come out of college, with my entire like purpose for being to be to be part of that world yes. that, that is instantly gone. obviously not gone. Gonna, gone i'm i'm editor i'm like interning at a magazine in washington dc where they used to have published this great long form shit now they're they, they're like they're tightening their belts everyone who's been there for 30 years and they're miserable as fuck 
Yeah. They're not able to write anything interesting anymore. It's all lifestyle bullshit for 42-year-old DC housewives. Yeah. It's it was the most and Obama's going into office and like this is their big this is like a big thing a moment for them and yet they're all it's like a, it was a cemetery. It mm. was horrible. So I just like you know I'm saying it was a real time witnessing a death, uh-huh. you know of an entire culture yeah um, so yeah but at least for you I think it was it's more like you're, you're looking at this as a you know you were never oh, I had no, no I had no reference or contact yeah. with anything resembling it you know I, I you're plucking an artifact from yeah that yeah you never, exactly yeah. exactly but, but I mean like you have the similar to the uh, kind of architecture of New York City you do have these I mean something like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas the movie, I think the movie more than the book, where you could like watch these people like on a magazine budget, take a ton of drugs and stay in these like incredible hotels. It's and insane. It's just or or like Condé Nast in the eighties folklore, where it's like we owned seventeen floors of the yeah. whatever building it is. Well, and you hear Brett East Snell is talking about how much money he was offered to write a profile. Obscene. To, to, to hang out with actors mm-hmm. and, like, write a profile about them. The age of 21 exactly. and 22. It's like, this is the, yeah, this is, like, the wet dream that I... It's so absurd. And you have to understand, too, like, when I, like, when I got, was into writing and stuff, I would watch book TV. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know yeah. if that's still happening uh-huh. on Sundays or uh, book TV's on, on the weekends on C-SPAN. Mm-hmm. C-SPAN 2. Yes. And I saw... Susan Sontag do a reading and a Q&A Getting I saw in-depth three hours with Camille Paglia and uh-huh. many others like I would watch that was my favorite program mine was Charlie Rose I would watch Charlie Rose when the guest was good but yeah. I but but you know that was like half an hour whereas these were hour to three yeah, hour yeah. unedited just authorial uh, performances yes you know where yeah. I was like this is so cool totally you know I mean I, I was I was such a diehard Charlie Rose person because like he had my dream job, right? Yeah. You just talk to these people. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's all he had to do. We know, yeah. And to have, like, the capacity to, like, maybe Plantation ask them. interlocutor, <laughs> Charlie Rose. So there's a good old boy, Charlie Rose. Yeah. What was the quote I saw attributed to him? It was like, I'm Southern, we're touchy. We're touchy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I mean, yeah. It's, it's crazy that... Human contact is the uh, is the crime that was invoked to get rid of all these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he was gross. I'm sure he was a pig. Who knows? I'm sure. I mean, yeah, men, that, that's that's just men. It's like you, you get they get drunk and they get touchy. I mean, my my objection to it more so is just like, so we had to get rid of them all again. We have to we have to get rid of like this. Um, this avenue of TV show, and we oh, have yeah. to get rid of this model of being, and we have to. Well, but that look at—that's what happens, isn't it? Completely singular person. Yeah, like because look, there is no replacement. No. I mean, I don't know if there is no replacement. We'd, we want to. Yeah, sure. Yeah. We'd gladly, we'd gladly replace him. Uh, you know, if given the chance, or you would gladly replace him. I would. But I would love to do that job. The, the, the appetite for it—it's like it. They must. Somehow it all goes out the window together, you know. It's uh-huh. like they're not like preserving. It's not like, it's not like oh, uh, Bill O'Reilly gets fired and now you can just pluck put Tucker Carlson in that same role, you yeah. know. 
it's like it, it, it it's more like now the entire genre must die oh yeah with this it's like with the New Republic too that same thing happened when they went digital oh yeah when the Facebook guy came in the Facebook guy came in they all quit and it, like it all went digital and then it, it yeah. overnight became a woke an absolute like and I had many issues with the New Republic before that but yeah. that's not the point my, my um, professor at Columbia was one of the people who resigned in that, in that initial Jason Zengerly no no David Haidu oh I don't know him specifically he's a music journalist he's oh, really okay. good I mean I, you know my big my big uh uh, uh, loss was was David Thompson, the film critic mm-hmm. and film writer who was writing at that time regularly for New Republic, mm-hmm. and he was one of the Exodus, and and he's my favorite film critic type writer mm-hmm. for, of all. Where did um, he go? Nowhere. Ugh. I mean, he's been writing books since. I interviewed him, and I'll probably do it again for That's this. Cool. But, but uh, he's been writing. He keeps writing books every year, but his, as a regular. You know, like you. every thank you, every issue, film, uh, film crew like, that I could trust to watch something or not watch something. Yeah. It was gone, and he had no. I mean, he briefly at the Guardian. I think he still wrote, and, you know, randomly here and there. Yeah, I mean, we. I don't know. I wondered the extent to which Substack is able to, you know, alleviate that problem. I mean, independent channels are able to do, do that kind of thing. It's not the same thing because it is um, for younger people, maybe. But here. but but like what. I really mourn though I think what you mourn as well is the reach right I mean these are not you know Substack lacks like gravitas you know well Um, the Substack the problem with Substack and the problem with all subscription media as we know is that is that it's 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 like it's only reaching the people who already know about it there is like a very you know there's very little I mean with podcasts you have this thing where you can yeah, where, where where you can um, you can you can be a subscription podcast and still release a bunch of free episodes and still expand your audience. But when it comes to a Substack, and you can do the same with Substack, but it feels like with Substack, you don't have what the old magazine model was. You had you would you would have people who got it the magazine for one reason, uh-huh. and then they would see other things in it of interest, like yeah. in Playboy. Ugh. You're you're got Playboy. Yes. You're getting it. You're getting it for for, for, the, it for the titties for the, for the titties in the bush. Yes. And uh, and you flip the page and there's William F. Buckley mm-hmm. talking about something, writing about absolutely. Something. And I have this. I think I'm gonna do this thing where I review all my dad's Playboy magazines that I have <laughs> a cool. stash of, just like really one by one. Like as bo- like maybe as bonus episodes for this. Like how early bonus. does he have it? I think the earliest I found was like, it's. I think it's like mid seventies is the earliest. Mm. So cool. It could be that there's there could be a few from the sixties, yeah. but it's mostly like eighties and nineties. It's mostly yeah. like eighties, nineties, some late seventies. Um, but there are a few. I mean, either he, way, it's it's magical. Hugh Hefner's like a massive hero of mine for that for that reason that he was able to smuggle culture and tits together. <laughs> culture and tits and. But but that's the that was what that's what's so sexy about the magazine to me in general. Whether yes. it's culture and tits, whether it's politics and literature in other yes. magazines that I wrote that the one even including ones that I actually wrote for back yeah. in the day. Like the idea that you can have a serious audience who comes in for this and then they flip the page. hundred percent. Yes. And here's a review of the latest Tolstoy biography. Yes. 
So yeah, that's or, the part that I had a faggier thing where it was fashion, right? Where it's like right. you you have this kind of frivolous magazine, uh, and then all of a sudden you have uh, I don't know Lee Miller doing Holocaust photos in Vogue or Annie uh, Annie Leibovitz doing um, Bosnian genocide right. <laughs> photos in, in Vogue. Like 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 that's so yeah. Or or I don't know. And he, Vanity Fair has the same sort of like yeah exactly. Choreography. You come for the celebrities, and then you kind of stay for like the deeply serious reportage. And yeah, yeah, and and you pride yourself in reading it, and it's good quality. Uh huh. I mean, it's it's serious, and it's like you know all these things. Like this was there, there was a cultural, uh, there's a cultural engine there. Yes. And you know, and I look at some like our favorite podcasts, like in a way you see this with Perfume Nationalist because like you can come for the perfume. Yeah. And then you'll get. If you stay, if you stay, you'll get you'll get cultural commentary and you'll get uh, like film commentary. Sure. If you come with the film and the culture, and you know nothing about perfume like me, yeah. <laughs> you can you'll you're gonna get doused with a thousand sprays of of ex- of extreme perfume. Yes. Um, uh, perf- you know, a per- fragrance filia or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is so you you know you're forced into something new. Um, and this, and and also like perfume. I, it reminds me of it's so magaziney because it's like it reminds me of the the sense the, the yeah. sensings are in all those fucking yeah. magazines that my mom would have totally yeah and i mean smell i mean the waiting room in her and office. there was that thing about like podcasting being over and it's like well actually yes it is in the sense that like a very certain kind of podcast that was able to succeed in this time you know regardless of whether it, it continues to pay and they keep making money or whatever you know you look at them and you kind of think to yourself like they actually are worthless because I don't know I, I think that there is a certain kind of podcast that like is so foreclosed that does not actually open up into that next thing like you're talking about right what kind of podcast do you have in mind I'm thinking of like um, the second gen based uh, uh, like like knockoff Red Scare <laughs> kind of kind of kind of um I'm trying to th- what was there an example of one that you know my naming sure I'm just um, curious what I mean the one I think off the top of my head is this one I'm blinking so um oh god what is it called thoughts on art t-h-o-t-s oh I haven't okay yeah it's not it's not even part of like twitter or anything but like it's guys with red it's two gay guys with red scare cadence mm-hmm. this is the funniest part it's like cadence so it's, like an, it's a discount red scare it's well, it's the cadence but then they don't actually say anything it's like right but is it but is this is this a thing about the medium or is this just about people not being talented and you know like, it's a mixture about people not being talented but like the true worthlessness of that though is that you um you don't get anything else beyond there's no uh, there's, right, right. there's no other kind of introductory there's point no to there's it. no even like beautiful advertisements that you could be uh, mesmerized by in a yeah. spread yeah yeah you you can you can't even it's entirely side-eyed and sarcastic as opposed to linking you to a reading list as opposed yeah. to linking you to a film list to, to watch as opposed to giving you advice about perfume right you know right it's just well yeah I it's mean, not fulfilling that function it's it's completely snark and completely it's attitude attitude anything that's pure attitude is worthless anyway useless so yeah yeah i mean that's a natural i mean you know, the more the more uh, popular these things get the more knockoffs are going to be and the more like completely useless outlets are going to yeah be. since there's like a shit ton of horrible magazines in the past yeah exactly I mean, there's a, comp- a bunch of that it's an interesting 
it, you know, for me, obviously, I'm, 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 I'm seeing it as like this. I, for me, podcasts were basically radio by other means for, yes. for several years, and I would listen to Adam Carolla, who basically was doing his morning show, but as mm-hmm. a podcast, and he's still doing it. And and the notion that it, and of course, there were the fictional podcasts too early on, which is like, okay, this is a reprisal of radio drama. Yes, it was just cool. Yeah. And it was all very, and you could, and you could listen to it to put you to sleep, and you can like listen yes. to like very custom, and it's like, and 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 and, but it wasn't really until the last few years that a far wider spectrum of possibilities seemed to open up. Yes. Um, and I don't know. It seems like I like the fact that this seems to be a more exciting future than, let's say. YouTube. I don't know if that's correct, but I'm getting the sense that it feels like a more exciting future where first is like, oh, we're just going to live in a world of Instagram stories and TikTok video and like 10 second clip videos, like which is obviously the most popular thing by numbers. But in terms of like, it seems like that's that's hit more of a dead end than anything like podcasts, which are so. Oh, yeah. So, so limber. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what a, you're an art critic, so maybe you have more. No, I think I think that's true. I think that, um, well, I mean, I think that this is a, a moment where you're going to see, a, like I said before, like a certain kind of podcast that is not ambitious, that is not creative. You'll take note of it and go on to yeah. <laughs> the next better thing, and I yeah. think that. Um, I think that's only a progressive thing. I think that you know. It, it's 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 going to raise the bar fundamentally. I mean, part of this part of the big question is like always going to be how how are people consuming things and what are their habits? Like the re, one of the reason one of the big problems with movies is that people don't have the patience. Yeah, or novel, anymore, or books for the same or reason. Or books for yeah. the same reason, and and so you know you always have to like if it wasn't for AirPods and if it wasn't for shit like that, yeah. then podcasts wouldn't be a, would be it would still be like oh this is just radio this is just radio for the car. Yes, that's how it felt to me for several years. Totally, like absolutely. It wasn't part of my you know and then it went into my ears for the gym and I was like oh, okay so like now I can listen to it during the gym. This takes yeah, just, just you just increase. I could do all these. I can do it while walking for hours a day. Like all these things I can do and still consume the podcast medium, which I can't even I can't consume YouTube while I'm walking around. No. Um, you know, so I think it ha- it has that sort of it does it has that going for it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. One hundred percent. And it was just really cool to notice as well the way that like radio, which seemed to be dead. Yeah. In nineteen forty five, when the television set came along, like radio's days were numbered how it's how it's been reborn not 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 just recently not just through podcasts but even like the talk radio rebirth of the yeah. 90s that Rush Limbaugh pioneered and various things like that it's like and and not only that but like you know FM talk radio too which followed mm-hmm. that like love line and stuff and yeah. you know very important part of people's upbringing in many cases these various big radio time. big time and it's like it connects the generations in a way that few things continue to do because mm-hmm. like your parents will talk about your parents I mean saying generally your parents yeah, will yeah. talk about Wolfman Jack in the 60s mm-hmm. and uh, DJs and then you know we talk about I can talk about 
Rush Limbaugh and talk radio in my day. Yeah. And I and Larry Elder and shit like that. Well, I mean, my parents were um, MTV photo that function for them. Interesting. Yeah. And MTV doesn't exist anymore as a thing. MTV doesn't exist. Well, what? But also MTV, old MTV had like a radio. Oh, it had a radio. I kind of energy. I didn't know about that. No, but it had like a radio kind right, of energy. Right, it's, it's a jukebox. It's a yeah. It's, it's a, a DJ. It's, it's a, a jukebox for a visual DJ. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's that kind of moment of like, you know, the hosts who are institu- introducing the bands and they get to come in and be goofy. Like, yeah, that does have such radio energy to it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, yeah. You're right. MTV. Is there a song that says something like MTV killed the radio star or some shit? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Video killed the radio star. Video killed the radio star. But yeah, yeah, you're right. It was, it was for the. It was kind of like the music, the music radio of the '90s. Yeah. Was MTV. Yeah. And even the, I mean, and maybe even the '80s. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe your parents are more '80s. They're '80s. They're '80s. They're yeah. '80s. I I also just think about like. Um, I don't know. Like, like we we don't have. I think America kind of got rid of it earlier. But like, something like uh, Top of the Pops or like Top of uh, uh, um, Top of the Pops, a British TV show where like the bands would come on and perform, and you would be exposed to like really radical, far out. <laughs> you know, you'd get Kraftwerk or, or Soul Train probably kept kept that function up for. Yeah. The U.S. in terms right. of like introducing completely out of left field. Yeah, yeah, musical acts. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I got that from. Um, I think they're kind of uh, annoying and, and insufferable now, but like KCRW in, in L.A. very much provided that function for me. Where it's like, wow, this is something I would never hear on K Rock. Right. Right, and I and I had a similar function with K Jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, growing up because my dad would listen to it mm-hmm. 24-7 and I literally went to KJazz is 88.1 mm-hmm. in Southern California it's a jazz station and I literally um, volunteered for multiple pledge drives Aww. I went to their Cal State Long Beach studio and answered the phone and I talked to some famous jazz guys who called in mm-hmm. including Poncho Sanchez and Charlie Hayden oh, to wow. make pledges mm-hmm. and Charlie Hayden spent 45 minutes deciding on what gift to to select for mm-hmm. his pledge we went through the entire catalog of gifts <laughs> for 45 minutes I was like 9, 10 years old yeah, yeah um, uh, so those were good times yeah, I mean th- these discoveries yeah, like it's, it's, it's nice to see that this medium is constantly reinventing itself and and that this it this does like it does connect it's a new thing podcast but they connect to a hundred a hundred year old medium or long totally i mean i think of like and i've talked about this before but like again to keep sucking red scares deck but like they gave you a reading list they gave you the um right they gave you um i knew everyone in red like the 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 kind of around them people before I knew Red Scare, but like I knew Patrick Sandberg and Paul Cooper because I was obsessed with the Hood by Air and Disc Magazine. Um, Eli Kessler is an incredible musician. Right. Um, I knew One Tricks Point Never because he was One Tricks Point Never. One Tricks Point Never. And then, yeah. and then, if you kind of come in not knowing who any of that stuff is, you have this resource available to you. Yeah. Like me, like I don't know any of them. Yeah. And but... and you know, as soon as like Anna mentions someone or whatever, I buy the book. Yeah. Like. Like and I'll yeah it's like it's 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 a 
It's and a very magazine-y function. You get, to, you get to read Christopher Lash. Um, yeah, someone who's ever heard of Paul Schrader before. You get to do that. Paul Schrader, uh, I mean, you know, it's not, not that he was unheard of, but she, I'm, she, I know she made Welbeck way more popular than he probably was to a certain degree. Millennials don't know who Paul is. They don't know who Welbeck is. Paul Schrader, though. Or like, Paul Schrader, or any of these people. Yeah, exactly. They don't even know who fucking Paulia is until, yeah. like, I mean, unless they're, as, <laughs> unless they're hip, like yeah, I was I was I've known her since eighteen. Yeah, you know, and because I because I because like, <laughs> but I'm, that's me. I'm a freak. But like, yeah. that doesn't mean twenty two year olds have any idea. I was reflexively shitty about Paulia because I was a Susan Sontag defender. Oh shit! You're <laughs> on the you're Sontag bloody Sontagian. I was, and I was. I'm such a I was such a shithead for a while about what about, finally what what did you finally stop being a bitch about Paulia? I read sexual persona. Oh, you actually read her. Yeah, yeah I actually actually read her. That usually does it. You know, it's like. Yes, finally you overcame your fuckboy attitude. Yeah, and then, and then you and then you um, you know regard her like her like aggressive personality as being kind of charming, actually. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's it's, the whole it's point. Cute, actually, I'm it's sorry. It's super cute. I love her Sontag essay. Oh my god. Yeah. I re- I've reread that so many times. If you know, it's in Vamps and Tramps mm-hmm. is where it's only in Vamps and Tramps. She didn't write it. It wasn't like published in a in a in a periodical. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh God, I love it! I love so many wonderful scenes in that essay. Have you read Terry Castle before? I've read her from time to time. I mean, yeah. any time one of her pieces would appear on ANL Daily, yeah, I would read it. And she's a she's she she has a certain uh, vitality to her writing. Yeah, I've I've gotten like very hard into Terry Castle as like a um, as a lesbian who I listen to and like look forward to now. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, she's like, what's her, sh- what's her deal? She's a, uh, what's her angle? Because there, she had an. If she doesn't have one anymore. She used to have one. Oh, I don't know. I don't even know what the angle that she used to have was. It was. It really was just kind of. I don't know. In relation to Polya, let's say, what's her? You know, I think it might even be something that we could do. We could apply the kind of Babbitt's Didion split here, where you know, Didion has a societal social function. Paulia can, you know, make these pronouncements about, like, you know, um, androgyny heralding right. a decadent age. Um, and that's not what you do with Terry Castle. Terry Castle is there for explaining the complex humanity and eroticism and the kind of sexiness of the dynamics and the... She's very good at kind of getting to the finer points of humanity that writers kind of betray of themselves and, you know, purposely also kind of imbuing into their works as well. Okay. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll have to pay more attention to her name. Uh, I, I, I love her. I go hard for her. She got a, she gave a certain one woman show vibe to me. Like that, like, like when I, it is a bit that, yeah, it is a bit that, but again, these are, these are ticks that like, you know, sit with them for a while. They become charming. Oh, sure. Uh, I can overcome anything. Yeah. That's if it's if the if the uh, there's a pot of gold at the end of that lesbo. Totally. At the end of that lesbo. I mean, this is true of most things. It's like I think the uh, the urge to kind of sit with difficulty for a while and to swallow is um, I don't know. The, 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 we don't we don't have much of a gag reflex in our in our uh, society anymore. We don't have much of a gag reflex at all. Yeah. Or we do have a gag. What is well? It's good when you don't have it. It's too much of a gag reflex. Too much of a gag. Yeah, yeah. Too much. We have too much. They, of can, a gag they can't. Reflex. They can't swallow anything down. Right. That's what I meant. To say. Yeah. Because yeah. the gag reflex is the problem. You yeah. want to be able to overcome that. Yeah. And just take it deep. Take it deep. Choke on it. Yeah. Exactly. Choke on it for a while. <laughs> Look at the sun setting. 
over the pearly blue waves. It's honestly so stupid how beautiful this is. Emerald Bay. And imagine being so gay that you decide to leave here because Orange County is too Republican <laughs> by 1987. Like, I, seriously. I, I can't. The mind reals, frankly. Man. It's gorgeous. Let me take a picture. Not about the shittiest camera. Well, I'm glad I have this new iPhone. The, the pics are way better on this new iPhone than the... Mine is like the oldest-ass iPhone in the world possible. Have you heard of Blue Jam before? No. Uh, Blue Jam as a what? It's like a radio play podcasting kind of deal. No. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a podcast or is it like a network or... It was a radio show that was like on in the late 90s, early 2000s. It was this kind of comedian who did, called Chris Morris, who was, um, he was part, I think it was like, it was on Warp Records, but like, it, it, it was basically like him, very deadpanly, with like, like over ambient music, saying like, spelling out like horrible David Lynch situations. Oh, that's cool. It was really cool, actually. So it's on, I can find it now on podcasting. I'm not sure. I mean, I think this is a bit of a rarity now. I think you might be able to find it on YouTube. Um, but I hope, I hope, um, I don't know. I hope that uh, that kind of like deep well of surrealism uh, opens up. You, you kind of see evidence of that like with Ghost Jail and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's part of like, yeah, and that's, that's all of that is very inspiring. All that, all of the possibilities of this medium to kind of in I think a way Brendan is so fucking funny oh yeah Luso Brendan <laughs> Brendan yeah, yeah. He's shout out to yeah, he's his hilarious. Portuguese ass <laughs> you, shout out to him and he has a rule. podcast called Tales from the Mall Tales from the Mall yeah best promo ever the best promo yeah he has the best promo bits for that yeah there's all these poss- you know and I, and I remember there's all these like the way that you can just literally turn a, a regular phone call into a podcast. Oh yeah, you know, 100%. which is what tale, which is what Tales from the Mall is. He's on yeah, a phone yeah. call, and 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 uh, we were ta- thinking about doing something like that. Me and Hercule, with mm. my friend who lives in uh, uh, Yerevan. Is he is he named after Poirot? That well, it's his fictional name for I the see. purposes of this podcast. I see, yes. I see, I see, I see. <laughs> so yes, that is very much named okay. after Poirot. Okay. Yes. And we were thinking of something like a telephone call from Yerevan, you know, uh-huh. in, 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 to counteract the... Our man in Yerevan. Uh, it's something like that. Yeah. But then they also the counteract telephone call from Istanbul, mm-hmm. the Tom Waits song. Oh. You know, the popular Tom Waits song that's yes. made him real big in Turkey. Uh, but but anyway, all of these, the point is like all of these things are on the table and, and they can all be quite interesting. Yeah. And it's not... Uh, I, I, I love the idea that, I mean, obviously I... I wrestled with how to how to launch this thing mm-hmm. and like daunted by you know the endless questions of sound and of like quality and of like getting people and like da 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 and like uh-huh. how you like studio blah 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 and I was just like wait a minute like if why is it that everyone loves the episodes of certain podcasts that are taken in the field or uh-huh. that are out and that are out that are that are kind of um, uh, field trip ones. Yes. Why is it that 
there seems to be a real there seems to be like a real a tolerance for sub perfect audio Mm -hmm. and and b even attraction to a more realistic ambiance than what you get in in an airtight NPR. yes 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 you know padded like uh, with the breath every breath edited out uh-huh. and like it's just like huh, 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 line to line mm-hmm. and it's freaky like I've, when I'm toying with editing like just my, my introductions and stuff when I do it with the ambience turned all the way down yeah. I'm like what the fuck yeah it sounds so NPR-y and yeah. it's weird and like it sounds like an audio book too like yeah. they're like that it's always been unnatural to me those audio books where each sentence like just falls off a cliff yeah you know exactly um yeah, and I mean, I, I I toyed with the idea of having a podcast. I, like, record a couple episodes. But it was so pointless because it's like, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit enough to be artistic and meaningful with the sound. The sound. The, the sound's actually so important, right? I guess it is, but I don't know that... But sometimes I, th- I feel like you, you know... The topic is so interesting, or something. Not or. even just a topic, but if, if your personality is interesting, yeah. then the sound of your personality will be interesting, and the sound of your personality will be whatever it is that you're putting out there. You yeah, know? sure. It's like Red Scare was shit audio in the beginning too, right? Yeah. I don't. I haven't actually listened to their first few episodes, but everything Anna says about them garbage. It was terrible. Is that, is that it's like you, it's like a fishbowl and or whatever. And and I know that Jack's first season was uh, of, of, T, of Perfume Nationalist was all on like I like. AirPods, or yeah, something. and and I mean, you know, whatever. There's there's limits to everything, but like, I think the point is that at some point you establish your meson sound. That that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And if people like you, they're gonna like the sound. It's like your voice. It's like oh, I don't have a good voice. Well, I don't know a single person in my in my entire life who. I love. Who likes the sound of their own voice? Also. No, well, a who everyone hates the sound of their own voice totally. because we're not meant to hear the sound of our own. No, voice. no, it's uh, we're not I'll, built to hear it. I can't hear it. I can't hear it either. It goes out this way. Uh-huh. I, there's no echo. I mean, the echo is safely, di- you know, distorted. That even if you do hear an echo of your voice, it's not your voice. It's just your words. Exactly. The recording technology is what made us al- allowed us to hear our voice. It's honestly a demonic apparatus. It's truly demonic. Truly. It's literally that, that's what that ear isn't that what the whole ear in the grass of blue velvet's all about? Yes. I mean, maybe not, but we can pretend it is. Yeah. And it's like we're not meant to hear ourselves. It's yeah. too self-con it's too much. We're not meant to see ourselves on Zoom either for that fucking matter. No. We're not meant to do that. We're not meant to mirrors are demonic, you know. We're not meant to see ourselves in a mirror. Photographs are demonic. Photographs are they, demonic, but they at least rob your soul. At least we can. At least photographs theoretically, you're behind the camera and you're you're capturing someone else, and you're stealing someone else's soul and consuming yes. it, and you're just except drinking. now that that function is now yes, of course it's it's, it's been turned and selfified, and that selfie button, that's where things that's have demonic. gone the mm-hmm. demonic. Yeah, yeah. It's all about everything. That's, green lights, demonic. Right. <laughs> it's a green lights exactly. So, but but but, I mean. The point is that is there a single person that you love whose voice you don't love, no matter how weird the voice is? Or oh how, yes. Uh, oh, there is. There is. Interesting. Who? If you don't mind saying. <laughs> it. I mean, is it something uh, impersonal loves that, or maybe personal? It's personal. Believe oh, believe it's my grandmother. Or your grandfather. My, my grandmother. It's it's she, okay. she has a very. Um, well, well, let's just say a version of it that you're no, you're okay dealing, not deleting, just so it makes sense. Uh. Can you just bleep it? 
Oh, I can, yeah, I can bleep it. I like the idea of just like a very long... I've never bleeped before. Bleep! <laughs> I have to, I have to, maybe I'll just do a vocal bleep with my voice. Sure, sure. Bleep. bleep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, very sunsetty kind of bleep. Yeah. I mean, she's not gonna listen. Whatever, fuck it. Okay, okay. I, I didn't think she will. She would. I know. But it's I know, okay. But, but you, when you don't, okay. So, what, what do you mean by that? I'm, I'm, I mean, she she has a um, a voice that can grate sometimes. Great. Okay. Yeah. There's a, okay. There's she, she has a, um, a a bit of a catch to her voice where I'm like. I so, see what you mean. Yeah. But that's a, but that's also some but that's also a case where, okay, I see what you mean because I know I know people. I walk, love her dearly, you know. Right. Of course. And I and I you know. I have a deep sense of filial piety that I would ask you even to bleep your very like kind of naturalist podcast. Right, right. You know, but you're going to back off on that, or well, you can decide later. I mean, go I ahead. can bleep it. Go ahead, fuck it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but the point is that I get that because I I've known now. I was just about to say I know people who uh, have the most unbearable laughter. Ugh, and disgusting. but then I was going to say I just but then. I can't cite that as an example because I don't love them. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not because of the laughter. I mean, there's people I love who I also hate their laughter. Yeah, I guess I, I have. I, I guess I have a smaller. But I think in, in any realm of performance, where like if you're doing a podcast, you're not going to have a. You know, you're not going to be completely fucking annoying. Yes. If yes. you're going to be aware of if you have a catch to your. And there are people, you know, Ira Glass is the great prover of this. That like you can have absolutely off-putting voice yeah. and still, and still have a listenership yeah and i to me completely off-putting to me to the point that i cannot i mean i don't i don't like anything about it i i like i used to like listening to that show i just think um he's a bit too influential my kind of hot take is that like everyone since has naturalized his vocal tics horrifying Hor- which is prospect. horrifying actually horrifying prospect. yeah and that's what i Prospectively fear whenever mm. I hear whenever I heard forget even Ira Glass to me he's just a he's just like a mythological creature produced by the the world of NPR mm. to me that's what he is yeah um, the good part of that world I like is I like I like the, the writings of David Sedaris growing up like I was like fine with it. Yes. You know, I mean, when I was talking, when I say, like, I'm talking about teenage, like, I'm talking about like 18, 17, 19. I saw, I saw David and Amy Sedaris in the Come Big Garçon store together. Were they kissing? They were not kissing. Oh. <laughs> but what it, a but hot it, scoop that would have been. No, no, but, but, it, but it was um, a. I mean, because Amy Sedaris, I think, is one of the best women ever. She rules. Um, Strangers with Candy was a major formative. Which one? Strangers with Candy. Is that her play or book or movie or? It's her TV show on on MTV where she's a um, forty year old uh, ex junkie, ex prostitute, high school freshman. Okay, I haven't seen that. One. <laughs> it's so good. Um, sorry, sorry. I mean, I know I her as an actress. I interrupted you. <laughs> no, 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 no. You were saying, but you, but but, but, but you, you, David, you were you were loving. You saw her in the store. You saw them together in the store. Saw them together, and it, it, it took my breath. I was like, I was like, oh my god, New York City. You meet. You see, you see David Sedaris and Amy Sedaris together in the wild. Right. New York City, baby. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, those are good New York moments. It's a good and they're New York very moment. New York people. I mean, they're very, they're the right people to see New York. Exactly. Like I've, seen, I've seen Chelsea Grammer on the street. Like, I run into him and That's he cool. made a joke and turned out to me to make sure I got it. Yeah. Like, he made a joke to his five-year-old son. 
at, you know that that the, and he made, turned around and was smiling like to see that somebody picked it up. Well, like, he's such a he's such a ham that I would think that's so charming. It is. No, no, I love yeah. Kelsey Grammer. I mean, he's a great actor. First of all, he's a great actor, yeah. and he's a great comic actor. Too. Yeah. Um, and like, what's more pleasant? What's more cozy than just watching? Uh, like Frasier on a loop, you know, yeah. in, the, in the back. Uh, it's traumatic for me because I, um, I've been called Miles. <laughs> You've called what? I've been, I've been called Ni- Miles. Miles, what is his name? Oh yeah, yeah, his gay brother. That's his, not, his, his gay brother who has that the off-screen kind of, wife or girlfriend at all t- that he's constantly at odds with. Yeah, you exactly. Never see. <laughs> exactly. No, but that kind of like Euro faggy. Oh yeah, <laughs> but no, you're not. No, even though I've, I, some have been known to call you Hampton Terry. Oh yeah. You don't have that precious. You you're not at that level of like, of like, what's what is the Nile? Yeah, the Euro the Niles the, the is transatlantic, like, totally transatlantic and like, mm-hmm. poof. Yeah, very poofy, dandy, super uh-huh. super. Yeah, I mean, I mean, of course, he's a caricature, uh-huh. and you're real. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> my mother asked me the other day if, if my voice actually is what it is. Is what, is what it, <laughs> if you put it, if you put effort into it, um, yeah. son. And I, I said no. It's actually like this. Yeah. Um, there. You no. Know, you have a certain, or you know, you are as far as I can handle. You are as you are like the na- the real version of NPR. Yeah. Like you're the NPR that's not affected. You're the NPR that you're <laughs> you're sensitive. You're you're you take everything in as a kind of like as a full-bodied, like, full-sensory package, and mm-hmm. you're considering every... You're circulating it, and you're like, it's not enough for you for it to make... for it to be just. It must also feel humane. Sure, yeah. And it must also strike a, a proper tone. Yeah. Like, you don't want to be, like, have a... Or or a proper dissonance, like the uh, woman slapping herself in the face yes. as she gets as as her what, what, what's that, what's that, what's that uh, which is why I'm bad at Twitter, also because like I also I, I <laughs> I'm, I'm not a um, because I have that kind of impulse in the back of my head where it's like I don't want to be mean where you don't want to be mean yeah. I don't want to be mean being mean is sort of yeah which is what Twitter is for it is it is what it's for although I'm trying to think it does feel like there are some people who can fashion a persona persona that yeah. that is so like that seems like such a commitment though I guess yeah I mean I'm thinking you know it's easier if you're a celebrity oh, it's sure. easier where you can just be like a crazy bitch like you can just like write crazy shit like share yeah and it just be like everything's hilarious Ugh, about it fucking share so good Armenian excellence I, I swear Arme- to god yeah um, I used to be friendly with Amber Frost from Chapo Many, many. We used to be um, uh, pals, on, pals on the Instagram. We used to be used to have very long and passionate talks yeah. on there. Um, but I, I had a really horrendous um, interview when I was at school, trying to kind of launch my career as a writer. Where I basically like kind of outlined like this idea that I had for a book for forever to this agent. And he basically got back to me and said, if you could turn that into a middle school book, <laughs> you know, a book for children. Oh, YA. Oh. Yeah, if you could turn that into a book from, and I was like, and it was like about like artists that had died of AIDS or something. And like, if you could make that for like ages for 12 to 14. Oh my God. And I was like, ugh. Um, and she was very helpful about, she, she kind of like outlined like, 
it's a horrible catch-22 that uh, writers are in these days because you, you only get a book deal if you have an audience because it's a safe return on investment. Yeah. Um, and she was <laughs> and she was saying like, uh, well, yeah, I only I only backed into a book deal because of Chapo, effectively. Right. Right. It's like, damn. <laughs> well, yeah. Which which is to say, like, I mean, what was her book? I don't know. Because I don't follow Chapo. I don't, I don't, I don't. Drama, but... Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you have I a... I like her as a writer, actually. She's a good writer. I haven't, I haven't read her stuff, but... Obviously, if you have that audience... Yeah, you're into Catch-22 where you're like... The voices are telling you to create an online presence for yourself and yeah, and gather numbers so you Which can show them. It feels so like um, both like degraded and accursed to, to do in the first place, you know. So you have to you have to erect like Harry the persona. I mean, I literally I I I was in complete uh, I was in complete protest of social media through its first like I, I could have been on Twitter as yeah. early as it began. Yeah, and I was just like. To me, because of my experiences on online forums before social media, yes. I was like, this is going to be that on steroids. Yes. It's going to be all the shit on steroids. Were you proven I, right? I was proven right for several years, yes. yeah. Although, I, I'm, not, I'm not upset that I... I'm not upset about what my Twitter activity of the last year when I started posting yeah. has brought me, because it's maybe brought me into contact with all kinds of people that I wouldn't have otherwise met. You're, you're actually quite good on Twitter. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I just like... <laughs> I don't know. I don't... I'm just like trying to find my way as to what I can express on Twitter. That's not that's a not just completely piling on to whatever's yeah murmuring at the moment. And, and my and my entire thing too is like I don't care enough to react to most shit. Right. Um, and the other part of it too is like I'm also horrified by the banality of my thoughts, which that's I think a, well that's a horror that we all have. Yeah, but 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 Twitter like you know. It's, it's like an amplifier of like just like god damn yeah I, yeah, I mean I, I have that all the time like I, I'll, I'll write shit down because I write like notes whenever I have thoughts that, are, yeah. that seem like they're something yeah and then it's just like getting from the he's a bits man huh you're, you're, you're a bits man you know? a bits man yeah he, 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 he knows a line when he comes across that I don't know no, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, and it's like every time, like you know, seventy percent of them, I'm like, oh my god, uh, yeah. what kind of a fucking mediocrity is this? Exactly, that's the horror of writing anything. I know it's terrible to give yourself. It's like a mirror. It's again, it's a mirror of your of your it's internal repulsive. mind, and it's like it's demonic because like mm-hmm. you're not. I didn't. Well, writers drink to so they you know to um, punish themselves for playing God. Right. <laughs> yeah. You could only yeah. I mean, it, it's truly a. Uh, brutal, brutal endeavor, yeah. at least for me. But, you know, I try to find ways to, I try to find ways to have fun, mm-hmm. you know, because you have to have fun, otherwise it's going to be endlessly cruel, and you're going to just like, you're just going to, you're ultimately going to talk yourself out of, talk to yourself out of writing anything. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, which is why, like, I always, like, um, thrive when I have a deadline and someone screaming at me yeah you know, those two things together will ensure that I do the job right those things help yeah and yeah it's also good to have yeah which is th- th- this is a way of giving me a deadline too yeah you know and and I and forcing me to to write and get comfortable in the absurdity of my own voice mm-hmm. kind of thing well, whatever, we'll see, but... 
Um, evening has arrived. Evening has come. Beach. The evening. The evening. The evening. The evening. Has arrived. And things have calmed. Not that they were ever turbulent. No. They never are. They never are in this beach of Laguna. In this beach of Laguna. Under Emerald Bay. The gays have left here. Where they once were accepted. (laughs) They turned against the Republican identity of Orange County. And they fled to the desert. For 40 years? We'll see. We'll see until the Salton Sea forces them out. Forces them out. The the uh, the uh, absolutely all-consuming hellish portal that is the Salton Sea. I've, I've been. I want to go so badly. It's really something. Like, yeah. Y- y- the minute you can only last maybe ten minutes out. out of yeah. Here. Like it, it, you just like you feel like hell is yanking you in. Yes. I mean, this is. I mean, I actually have much less experience of the desert than, than you. I'm guessing because, like, I, I've not spent uh, like probably one or two times. I've actually been to Palm Springs, um, but I am obsessed, like, with the occult pull of the desert, where you do have people who feel compelled to make things like the Cabazon dinosaurs or Salvation Mountain or yeah, the Salton Sea has a very kind of. Did you know the Amerigosa Opera House? No. It's like a weird one on the Nevada border. This woman who was like a ballerina in New York uh, just painted an audience for her. Built the, you know, took over this place, painted an audience, and she would just do performances every day. For the painted audience? For the painted audience. Does this place still exist? This place still exists. She died, unfortunately. Oh, shit. Yes. But, but, but you know, the testament to her well, we presence. We can visit this place? It's a place one can visit. Oh my god! I know, right? Okay, well, now I know where one where I'm going. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. What is it called again? The Amerigosa Opera House. The Amerigosa Opera House. Mm-hmm. Can you perform for her painted audience there? If you I want would to? love to. Damn. I would love to fucking. Yeah, I'd love to film something there. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be incredible. And where is that exactly? Like. It's on like the. I mean, it's like so middle of nowhere, Nevada border, hell okay. on earth is, part but, of California. But is it like, oh, so it's like, it's not quite on the way to Vegas or anything. Like, it's like somewhere. I think it's like, it's somewhere north of. North, okay. I mean, it's really like no one goes there. Kind of California. I'm going to go there. Yeah. It's all, those, sure. it's all those ions and crystals in, in the California desert. They're yeah, and the and the what was it called? The guy, the very early, what, the earliest man they ever discovered in ne- in Nevada. You know this? No. I'm trying to remember the name of, of the the. I think this was. I think it was then. It's like the Lucy or something. Or <laughs> no, it's like there's literally in Nevada they discovered the corpse of, possibly the first human being ever to exist. Crazy. Um, and I could be wrong about this, yeah. but earliest. Uh, I, I, uh, there's a name for this. I really like the idea. Like, I wish that there was a visualization of what he looked like because do we know if he was cute? Do we know? There is a visualization. <laughs> there's it, there. There is, there is. I have to find this. It's hot as fuck. There's a whole name. He has like a whole... Uh, fuck. 
I'm going to have to look. This is actually I learned about this in David Thompson's book of all mm. things about Nevada, called In Nevada, yeah. which I like a lot. Uh, there's a name for this character, for this person, and it's like a. Uh, I'm going to have to. I'll have to. I'll update. I'll I'll look into it. And I yeah. don't want to, you know, get lost. Nevada is also right a portal. Oh my God! Yeah. Yeah. There's certain totally. places that are just portals. That it's a total portal. Yeah. New York is a portal. New York is a portal. Um, Laguna Beach is not, I'm trying to say. No, it's not a portal. This is not a portal. It's very lovely. Look at this. Santa Barbara might be a portal. Santa Barbara might be a portal. Palm, uh, the Palm Springs is a portal. Palm Springs is absolutely a portal. The California desert, in general, is just a portal. For sure. And... Um, I mean, obviously, Hollywood is a portal. Hollywood's absolutely a portal. LA, I mean, you just say Los Angeles as a, as a whole is a portal. Yeah. Although the, there are certain safety zones. <laughs> Burbank are, is not a portal. Which are there, yeah, which are therefore boring. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The city of Bell is not a portal. <laughs> right. Ready to go? Uh, should we go get ice cream? We need to see a man about ice cream. Yeah. And then we'll take a tour of the art. Oh, yes, the for art. For which this once provided a colony. Yes, exactly. And, yeah. Oh, let me pee before we... Go pee. Yeah. Go pee. Now and then, the distant volleyball players' voices carried to where we were, but mostly we were alone and in silence with the ocean. I gave myself up to the situation gradually. We were in Orange County. So of course, anything that was fascinating, a new idea, a breakthrough, was kept outside the gates. No art. It was very relaxing. I thought after a while, to be in a place where there could be no surprises, and very relaxing to be with Sean, who fell asleep the minute we lay down. I drifted away, watching the water until Sean finally woke up and sat beside me, brushing my back free of sand and then keeping his hand there. This must be the acme of a certain aspect of Western civilization, I murmured. The what? he asked. Never mind, I said. It didn't matter that there was no art or thought. It went with the guard of the archway. Women want to be loved like roses. They spend hours perfecting their eyebrows and toes and inventing irresistible curls that fall by accident down the back of their necks from otherwise austere hairdos. They want their lover to remember the way they held a glass. They want to haunt. Men don't work like that as far as I've been able to judge. Men aren't haunted by the way a woman holds a glass. 
men are haunted by women who are just like the one who married dear old dad. Or else they love a woman because they think she is absolutely unlike their mother and is such an affront to everything their mother stands for that it will plague her for the rest of her life. One time I knew an angelic-looking 19-year-old boy whose mother was a Las Vegas showgirl even at the age of 36. And this kid found himself a 30-year-old girlfriend who wore glasses and no makeup. His mother was so furious, she drove her car into his girlfriend's apartment. The only time men fall in love with roses is on douche commercials. Evacuation complete. Put that on the record. <laughs> well, that was the, uh, that's what they said. In, uh, remember in Austin Powers mm -hmm. when he took his jet, like his, his waterfall of a pee when yes. he got the thought out? Post thought, yeah. Yeah, post thought. And he goes, evacuation complete. <laughs> um, this nice little postcard we got. I know. It's gonna get damaged, but at least feel like I'm trying. I to mean, it's good for promo. As preserve well. it. Oh yeah, it's good. There's all so much great promo material. Nowhere to pro to promote it. Yeah. But lots of promo material. I mean, did, uh, did you have a YouTube um, the Filthy Armenian? Oh, of domain. course, of course, yeah. Which is now also available on Instagram. Yeah. It's expanding. You know, next thing yeah, you know, exactly. my God, there might be a Discord, yeah, which I don't even know what that is. I, I've seen it and it makes me feel out. What, what is it? <laughs> like, what literally, I have literally it's no like concept. I mean, it's basically like a group chat, I think. Okay. But, okay. <laughs> what? So that's just what? a Reddit like thread or like. I thought it's such a boomer right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We're kind of like, I just, what's the, yeah. what does it have that you can't get on a Twitter group chat or something? Yeah, yeah, that's cute. The patisserie. Yeah, yeah, that's cute. The patisserie. The patisserie. Alright, but we're finding this fucking ice cream right now. I know. And then we're gonna go back to um I hope the art galleries aren't gonna be closed at like six PM. Watch them be. That'll be so lame. Then we're gonna have to come back. Is the Grace Galleries open? The one here? Let's see. Oh shit, we might need to get. Oh, they should give us masks. Let's see. Oh, it's closed. All right, so the first. So let's just look through the window here. Okay. So, so we have a piece here by. I can't read that. By original finger painting artwork. It's a finger painting by Suzart. Or is that just the. At Suzart? It's, it's, it's by Sue. It's. D. Seuss, Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss. Is it? It can't be. It can't be Dr. Seuss. No. But it, but it's. It's like a very kind of. It's a it's woman. It's a Dr. Seussy type of image. It's though. a woman in a beret, and it's kind of like Edvard Munch's The Screen, um, and she's blonde. What are your what are your what's your initial impression? But it looks like a Dr. Seuss creature. Sure. Right? Yes. It's that, it has that. Explain um, the difference between Dr. Seuss and Edvard Munch. Yeah, it yeah. splits the difference between, yeah. and it's a huge difference between the two that's, that's being oh, split yes. in this, in this. How, however artfully it's being done, um, I don't think it's particularly good. Um, it looks kind of Toontown-y to me. It looks very Roger Rabbit. Yes. In a way. Yes. And like she's been flayed or something. It's like Martyrs meets um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's Cindy Lou... 
who grew up to be like she went to mime school or something she has like a kind of mime hat or like a, a golf caddy yeah she's like she's like you know many generations removed from the from a famous chaplain-esque performer yes uh, that it was her great-grandfather yes you know? yes and she's she now lives in Topanga Canyon yeah uh, uh, in, in a kind of commune where she does where she's trying to reprise the art of miming in, yes. in the 21st century and and she has been chanced upon by a kind of mysterious madam who has decided to play her to access the um, secrets of higher deities um, and Sue has taken it upon herself to encapsulate that story into a painting with kind of an expressionist technique, very loose brush strokes, um, exaggerated proportion, a kind of mannerist neck, a very long neck. Very long neck. Ostrich. Know, ostrich-like neck. neck. Yeah, very long neck. The kind of neck that makes you want to strangle it. It's not merely a swan's neck. It's right. it's something beyond that. No, it's an ostrich neck, which I've always had, you know, I had this, there was a cartoon, like a Disney cartoon with an ostrich when I was a kid. And I, it induced such rage, rage in me yeah. that I was afraid of my own rage. I was like, why do I want to strangle <laughs> this ostrich yeah. so much mm-hmm. as a kid? I, I've never felt, I can't think of anything else that, that did that to me. Yeah. Where I just hated it. Yeah. Um, and it was also like a somewhat femme ostrich. Like it was like a, there, it had a certain attitude. There was something about it that just made you want to punch it in yeah. the face, you know, like type of thing. Sure. And the neck was a big element of it, yes. certainly. So you're not a neck fetishist then, I take it? No, I am. That's the thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, I love necks. That's, okay. that's, the, that, that's, what, that, that's what's so confounding maybe, about this maybe, whole thing. Maybe it, like it, tr- it truly is an uncanny thing because it, is, it has an element of your passion for necks. But it just but it perverts yeah, it. It perverts it, and it just it, it you know it, it's like this neck is twice as long as a long neck should be. Yes, you know, and it's like it it yeah it mocks my passion for yes. necks. It spits on my passion for necks. It 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 just it's like so this begs the question for for me then is this good art? Because she's uh, elicited a, she's incited a very kind of visceral reaction in you yeah. toward this woman. Yeah, she so. Do Am we I, think it's a success? So is my uh, is my stifled, semi-erotic rage going to make this chick's career? I think because so. I think you've got a hot commodity here. Should we buy while it's buy low? <laughs> I mean, she's 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 uh, closed right now, but yeah, she you is. Know. Sue's art. Sue's art. At Sue's art. I don't know. I think Sue's kind of an art star here. My God. Yeah, she's done it. Yeah. Not, not to speak of the um, really kind of there's a puffin. Maybe. We're assuming that it's a woman, but it, it, it still seems to me like Susard refers to Doctor Susard. It could be sure or Doctor Soyce, as it's apparently pronounced. Did you know that? Did you know it's pronounced Doctor Soyce? That is not true. Yeah, it's true. It, it, you know, I read it somewhere. It, even if it is true, it's not true. Yeah, I read somewhere. That's that's some like kind of Nazi. We don't see anything else interesting in here, well, do we? We see this upside down. There's an upside down guitar. An upside down guitar. We see a, a painting of a puffin. A painting of a puffin that looks like it's like a little bit of a kind of a koi. A coquette. Coquettish yeah. puffin. Yeah. Yeah. We'll take a little snap-a-roo. We're seeing art right now, baby. This is this is. Imagine what you could do to the value of that upside-down guitar, which is going for sixty-five hundred dollars at the moment. If you just it flipped like it around, it's a sixty-five hundred for that guitar. <laughs> that is real art price. Yeah. Blackbird singing is the title. 
Lara Ralston is DR. Oh, these are all Lara Ralstons. All of these. Lara Ralston is. Uh, she's onto something. You know? Do you know of the name? Uh, no. She's on to something. Okay. What she's is she discovered, onto? She's discovered her muse. What do you? What, what would you? How would you define her muse based on what we? The bird and the guitar. Very into birds. From my <laughs> okay. By the way, we actually have another gallery. Oh, we do. Okay. Here we go. Narrative gallery. Narrative walking gallery. into. Let's check it out. Oh, there, so we go more Dr. Seuss. Yeah, this is actually Dr. Seuss. <laughs> the Dr. Seuss. Oh my god. The Dr. Seuss collection. What is this? Like, is this a movement that I'm not aware of in the arts? This is um, very clearly uh, a wave. Okay. And we've got some Snoopy action over here as well. Some peanuts action. We've got some peanuts action over here. Finger painted, it seems. He's actually completely nude in this painting. Um, deeply erotic. Hi there. there. Is Dr. Seuss really in right now in the art world? Sorry? Dr. Seuss? Or is it Dr. Seuss? Do you know how? Dr. Seuss. It's Seuss. Seuss. Okay. Who's German? I, I, I've, read, I've read somewhere that it's supposed to be Seuss. I don't know why I read this. Like when it got canceled. Somebody, well, because the E is supposed to be like Freud. They said, they said it's some the rhymes say, with choice. Zeus. Zeus? Some people come in here saying, it's, I love Dr. Zeus. But, but his name was none of those things. His real name was something totally different, right? It was his like... His real name was Ted Geisel. Ted Geiser? Geisel. Geisel, right. But he's a geyser. Geyser, yeah, he's a geyser yeah. painting. He's a true, he's really the muse that we've been searching for all this time. Is it, are these flying off the shelves? Well, we've been here since 97, at least it's slow. We make yeah. sure they can't fly completely off the shelves, mm -hmm. but some have, only, some have sold out. They've creeped off the shelves quietly. They've creeped off the shelves as they rise and fall. Oh, you've been selling uh, Sioux stuff for all these years. Mm -hmm. It's not Thanks. just a recent uh, movement. Okay, cool. And are your buyers like um, typically local or are they from all over the place? All over the place. We have 40 affiliate galleries all over the US. Oh, okay. And Australia, we're opening stuff in Europe. It's, I've only had a couple of people come in and not know who Dr. Seuss is. They're generally you know, from other countries. But right. we have buyers all over the world. Right. All different types of people. Everybody loves this stuff. They grow up with it. Yeah. Locally, who, who's your tip? You like are the, the people you sell to who walk into this gallery, are they typically like, do they have, do they have a certain, uh, are they of a certain class or are they kind of, again, grab bag from all over the world since there's so many tourists here? I mean, I think that's what's kind of cool about this gallery is you don't have, I think generally with fine art, it's, there's a particular clientele and everybody else is getting landscapes, but they're like, oh, I'll spend this money on, I, I'm well to do. Yeah. But because it's so accessible, it's pop art, you get a different amount of people. There are people that see the value in this, that they maybe just were first able to afford it, or just had their first kid, and then it's fine arts for collectors. Right, right, right. So it's like the, okay. So it's like- It's a pretty broad- It's a broad one. It's not so yeah. zeroed in. If, it makes, we were, if we were doing abstract expressionism, playing Rothko's and stuff, yeah. I'm feeling it'd be a little more narrow. Yeah, it'd be more narrow. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it makes sense that people who just had their first kid and are buying their first piece would uh, lean into... Yeah, that's, that's always a lot. Yeah, cool. 
Are you looking something up, Harry? I am, I am. I like this one. By oh, color scheme. It reminds me of, um, oh my god, what is the art style called? I'm looking so hard at what this art style is called. Never mind. I'm probably not going to find it. Oh, there's a specific name for this type of art. There's a specific name for this kind of... Pop art. It's not even pop art. It reminds right, me it's of... not pop art. Well, it, it literally is pop art because it's Dr. Seuss. Right, but, but, that, but it doesn't have this... It doesn't have the... Uh, the... The, color, the color palette um, reminds me of, like, Pierre Bonard, who's okay. a blank painter. What the fuck I is like that? I like this color... Sorry, like, no, whatever of, this is, I like. Reminds me of Andre Duran. That's what it reminds me of. Okay. Andre Duran. Is it common also with like pop art to, you know, do a doc, do, do a Dr. Seuss in a style of phobism? Reminds me of phobism. Phobism. Super ultra vivid colors. Oh, like Matisse. Yeah, like like this. Yeah. Like a Matisse. Which I like. I like that. Yeah. 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 Super. I like those vivid French. Uh, and a queer, we, what we see here is a queer um, Dr. Seuss phobism moment. You, you must take our word for it. Podcast. You must take, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and you probably, you know, you're probably content yeah. to take our word for it. You see some expressions in the art of the I'll take, I'll take some. a picture of this for the. That's a massive attack going. Hmm? That's a massive attack playing right now, too. It all fits the vibe, right? The vibe is Seuss. The vibe is Seuss. The vibe is off of Theodore Geisel. Yeah, Theodore Geisel. Love awaits the brave. This looks like, you know, almost, this looks like, like a, Cartoon. This, this looks like a child's book cover, though, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay, I'd like to ask you about, because, again, I'm a total tyke when it comes to art, and so, visual art. So, like, in your view, what is pop art when it's good? If, if that's <laughs> possible. Um, like, if you were to say, what is the highest achievement of pop that pop art can do, if possible, if anything? Just, uh, I don't even know how to answer that question, because I'm so gay. Because you have no interest in pop art whatsoever. No, I love pop art. I'm just, I'm just like, not a good, I don't know, I don't have, like, a good kind of one-size-fits-all answer to that. Um, well, I mean, I mean, it reproduces. There's bad and there's it, good, right? Yeah, it reproduces commercial aesthetics, but does so like in a either original kind of painterly way, or I don't know. I'm trying to think of the criteria for like the pop art that I like. I'm just trying really... to think of what a good pop art would be, other than you know, the, the obviously like a can of Campbell's soup, which is like the first pop out, yeah, or whatever. I get that. Or Liechtenstein with the Bende dots and the. I guess in today's time, when it's no longer a fresh new thing, mm-hmm. what would what would it, what would a piece of pop art that impresses you? Well, I mean, it would be the subject matter, which would be like it would be an integration of like commercially available, you know, shit that we see 
mixed with like I don't know some kind of artistic intervention that makes it so like that we can see it in a new way I guess so like maybe a a, re- a, a, a rendering of Ira Glass but he's Butch Chad or something exactly. like that would be a brilliant piece of pop art a brilliant piece of pop art I mean I don't know um, I've seen really shitty art recently that's been like there's a painter called Avery Singer who had a show that was like Wojak's it was really really shitty though. and you would get cancelled for retweeting it but it was shitty no, I mean, like, this person has, like, no kind of sense of, like, what a Wojak is or could oh, be. it was but, just like, pure yeah. Wojackery. Wojak. It was like, wow, I saw that on Twitter once or something. Right. She had a painting called Dime Square. It was, like, oh so my gay. God. But that's, like, it's, not, it's like Red Scare Illustrated or Twitter Illustrated. Yeah, without the good sense of, like, actually painting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like there's, I feel like you could do, a, I don't know what that Pepe. You know what, sorry, you know what would be good pop art? It would, it, it would be painting the ISIS um, shirt. The ISIS shirt. Okay. That would well, be. I think you could do a lot. I think, like, Amy's a great pop artist with the Pepe's. I don't know if you've seen her many <laughs> yeah, Pepe uh, compositions, but mm-hmm. they're great. Does she make them? I think she makes some of them. Mm-hmm. I think she makes some of them, because some of them are so specific and unique. Like, I don't know for sure, but I think so. I mean, uh, Yeah. I don't know about um, Pepe's uh, specifically as being, uh, I don't know, you could make Pepe art. That could be a thing. I could see that. Right? I mean, I could see I could see how the entire, I could see how visualizing an entire subculture online mm-hmm. can be interesting, especially in, ter- in, in the form of an exhibition. But, but where's the humanity, I guess, is the question. You know, well, the or where, where, where's the, uh, where's the, where's the wind blowing through this art? What, you know, what, what does it reveal to us? These, these it would probably have to be, it would have, well, it would probably have to be multimedia. Sure. And it would have to involve voice, probably. It would have to involve text. Yeah. I mean, they've done this before, like that, like that LD50 show I was talking about earlier, like they, they did do this, or attempted to do this. Right. Um, it wasn't good though. Well, no one knows because it got shut down. Right, it got shut down. That, well, for being fascist. Well, which is, you know, what's what's a better what's a better advertisement for a, an art exhibition in, in our time than for it to have been forbidden yeah. as inappropriate? Sure. Like, we haven't had such an we haven't had such a thing since Piss Christ, and even that was so. Well, that was so hackneyed that kind of. I mean, we, on, on a on national birth. level, that's yeah. true. Because I mean, like, no one knows about like. It just becomes like so much more like low stakes. It's like um, I'm just thinking right now off the top of my head. Uh, the, there was a Boyd Rice Daria Pryor. A Boyd Rice. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Did you take a picture of Ibsen. Oh, that's right. So a picture of you. Take take a picture of me yeah. with with Ibsen. Yeah. Huh? He's so handsome. He really is. <laughs> he's a he's a You're very impressive. Norwegian. This is not the ice cream place. It's some it's somewhere else. It's oh like God. it's in an alley. Yeah, you're gonna fucking stab me in this alley. No, not in this alley. <laughs> not in this Laguna Beach alley. Yeah, exactly. The, the only stabbing you get there is the one that you would dream of. Potentially. From the ghost of God. <laughs> from gay colony past. Yeah, cool. <laughs> 
<laughs> don't be stabbing I long for his like in my neck. In your <laughs> neck, so, yeah, in your double in your double sized neck. Yeah, exactly. My, my <laughs> elongated by by artistic lust. Yeah, illustrated by one Doctor Theodore Seuss. Seuss, yeah. Theodore Geisel. Okay. Here's some skimpy bikinis. Skimpy bikinis. Okay, so here's another o -O closed, I'm sure. It's the Ruth Mayer Gallery. Ruth Mayer Gallery. What's going on in here? I think that's Christ, I think. This is, this is either Christ or like one of those <laughs> actors who plays Christ in a, like a History Channel recreation. Yeah. I was gonna say Hitler, but kind of Oh, well, he, but his eyes are too sad to be Hitler. Sure, sure, sure. And, and it looks like, much like me, he has a unibrow that's been shaved right I mean, down the middle. He's very clearly a Semitic individual. Yeah, he's very or Semitic. Caucasian, a mountain kind of person. Well, says, sure. the, the name of the painting is He Calmed the Sea. Oh, so it's literally Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's, it's. Yeah. This, this is definitely the kind of. The kind of um, Jesus was uh, a brown man who looked, um, you know, Semitic. There's the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl? That painting over there is the Rose Bowl 2002. Oh, you love it. You love to see it. You love to see the Rose Bowl. You love Bowl. to see it. You love to see some California pride here. Yeah, this is a very kitschy. And these are all, the, 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 the gallery is named for the artist. Ruth Meyer. Yeah, because it says Ruth Meyer on all oh, the... Ruth Meyer, uh, sorry. It says it on all the... Uh, I can't read. Ruth Meyer. It's Ruth. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it, but her name's all on the name of all. The, it's also she's painted all this shit. I appreciate a woman who like has her own storefront. You know, Ruth Meyer seems like a really enterprising dame, and I admire her for both her technique and for her uh, capacity as a saleswoman. Certificate of recognition from the County of Orange. Oh wow. For Ruth Meyer Fine Art. So she's like. She's very impressive. She is, I mean, think of all the various hotel rooms in which these, this painting of a, the pier and like the fish and chips uh -huh. place and the boats and the beach chairs must be hanging. Like yeah. this has to populate some of the hotels and stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or the homes. Or decorate. Or the homes. Or yeah. The homes. Or like, you know, a nice little like, yeah, another fishing boat. I mean, listen, I could be, I could be a kind of total shit out about the guy who did the, uh, the Dr. Seuss stuff, but I mean, like, it is the art that people can afford. <laughs> you know, like art that people can afford. It's true. I mean, like, like people actually do want nice things in their house. Yeah, they could have nicer things, but um, these photographic paintings of if they are even redwood paintings, of redwood with the sun shining through here at the Marlin Holden Fine Art Gallery. Yes, this is pure, just. Like this is like, this, this is like the screensaver on your Apple TV. This is a beatific light shining through some redwoods. It's nature's majesty. What do we think? It's like the the, the thing in, in what like go, plays on your Apple TV when yes. you when you know. Yes. That's what it is. High art. Yeah. It's not very good, but none of this is actually very no, good. No, no, no. I mean, it would be a miracle if we found something very good. Yes. Which is I, I like, but I like miracles. I'm into fucking he's miracles. A, Let's a, cross. He's a he's a Marianne. Oh shit! Wait, never mind. It's green. 
Yeah, like it's a you know you have to give. You have to. Man, I just got yelled at by an old lady in a car. All right, I think it's like in there's a there's an alleyway in one of these old? places. Like she could have been, mid, I mean, not that old, but she was at least middle aged. This is a this Nix is a Nix Laguna Beach is a popular restaurant. You see a lot of like. You know, oh, okay, here we go. I can smell it. You smell it? Oh, yeah. You smell the waffle cone? Oh, my God. That's disgusting how good that smells. Yeah. Okay, and this I, is a beautiful little alley. It's like we're in London or something. Yeah, you were afraid of getting stabbed. And, I, this I, is, and you wonder something? I still am. You still am, but again, <laughs> you still are, but like, again, the stabbing that, that is possible here is of such an ornate and um, gallant nature that you would almost welcome it. Sure. Okay, yes. here we are. Hello. Hello. Can we get a freshly waffled cone with our ice cream, or is it just whatever you guys have made most recently? Um, we just made them like five, oh, okay. like three minutes ago. We just give them time to cool down, or else the gelato will melt. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Uh, let's see. What to do? What are some of your faves? My favorites, um, the banana and the salted caramel. Mm. Uh, the most popular is dark chocolate hazelnut and pistachio. Oh, pistachio is always nice. Yeah. I'm a cookies and cream man and a chocolate man. But, yeah, I don't you know if that's the best gelato. Can I just need a sample of the panna cotta? Yeah. Can you do a sample of the pistachio? Yeah. So I'm going to go with the pistachio. Thank you. Freaking good. Thank you. Yeah, the pistachio is good too. I don't think I can say no to the pistachio at this point. Yeah, it's kind of hard too. It's too damn good. All right, I'll have one. I'll mine. I'll take in the pistachio. One scoop. What size? Uh, waffle cone. The waffle cone. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah I come all this way not to do that. Good choice. Do you have a regular shot to tell Um, we have. Oh, is that you have the person names? Okay, here we go. Yeah. And then also like, the line is about too, which is a treat. Excuse me. Thank you. Hello. How's it going? Um, could I get a cone? And then I'll do. Um, uh, please do. Yeah. 
So you got chocolate chip. What's under the chocolate chip? So just the two cones for you guys? Yeah. Perfect. Your total is going to be $13.10. I got it. No, I got it. I got it. You know. I got it. Yeah. I got it. Oops. Oopsie. I'll give you guys both one. Oh my god, thank you. Of course. Can I have the gun? Thank you. Of course. Do you want your receipt? No, I'm good. Okay, have a nice night. Can you do the pull, actually? <laughs> Sorry, one more time. Can you do the pull again? Yeah. Oh yeah, just in case. Yeah. That's a good idea. I'll take one too, yeah, just okay. in case. Just in case Sorry. there's a little oopsie. Yeah. Which I think. Which I think. Yeah. Thank you. So we're in Hogwarts, basically, right now. Yeah. This is a very Beautiful. pro J.K. Rowling. <laughs> Surf and turf. Uh huh. We're in the right place. No. I mean, it feels like Italian. Is the thing. This is really good. Mm hmm It was worth the wait, right? Oh my God! Of course. I like the novelty of the counter flipping like Yeah, that's the thing. And you can smell them fry it up, you know. It is good. It's good. Yeah. I mean six fifty for this. It's kinda pricey. That looks yeah. good though. It's good. They make, take a look. Yeah, take a look. It's Thanks for your positive review. <laughs> Also, is there anything hotter than a tall, strapping young man of indeterminate race mm. saying espresso, ordering an espresso? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a, we passed by like a number of beautiful boys. Oh yeah, there's a full of them around here. I'm still like haunted by that ass that we saw earlier. The one guy like loading his car. Haunting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Haunting. He was great. Oh my god, yeah. That was a surfer supreme. Mm -hmm. A shelf. Mm-hmm. Where are we going? Well, there's more there's a low there's like a you know, two blocks of galleries oh, yeah. down there that we can just browse up and down. Man, look, the sky is still... Hello. The sky is still, like, has color in its darkness, you see. Mm -hmm. And as Eve Babbitt said, 
She was content to come here and leave all art and thought on the outside. Absolutely. That's one should. As I often do, mm -hmm. frankly. I like her rhapsody for gay guys. I, I the relationship she has in that book uh -huh. with her gay lover is truly interesting. It's next level. Yeah. She right. Fucks the shit out of him. Yeah, and it's like I'm trying to imagine who that was, what he must have been like. Because mm -hmm. I don't think, you know, I don't think that kind of figure has survived. No. In America, anyway. No, not at all. The kind of like gay guy who um, who's able to. He was able to like have a good time with a woman still. Good time with a woman regularly and all the time, yeah, yeah. like it, to the point that they had a relationship, mm -hmm. and that everyone still knows he's gay, and that he's like still fucks the shit out of her, and he's driven wild with lust by the waves crashing under their feet in Laguna Beach. Mm -hmm. That does not exist anymore. Mm -hmm. A southern gentleman to boot. Gorgeous. Everyone's in love with him. I like that like he also is just gay. He's not bi. Yeah, he's Bisexual just gay. Bisexual did not exist then. Yeah. It's just that gay was such an expansive thing that... Mm -hmm. And he like doesn't do anything, mm -hmm. which is also part of the part mm -hmm. of the equation, you know? There's nothing he actually does. I love that actually. <laughs> yeah. We're falling in love he's with... He's like my dream man, honestly. <laughs> Would you uh, fuck a woman just cause? I mean, it depends. There has to be, there has to be an angle mm -hmm. of attraction. Yeah. I couldn't do it just as a lark. Yeah. I could. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I appreciate I could. the people who can. I need more. Yeah. I don't, you know. We, we, yeah. There aren't that many women who can compete with um, Silver Supreme back there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. Where are we going? Okay, so you can just go up and down this, this street. There's a bunch of fucking galleries. Now, Is there a way in which you being adjacent to Laguna Beach, mm -hmm. pretty familiar with the spirit of the place? Here we go. Here's something. Okay, this is a Tibetan. There's some National Geographic type photography of a Tibetan Buddhist child, also a bald eagle. Lighting candles mm -hmm. in the pavement or in the cobblestones. He seems to be at prayer. Which it's cool. Hey. We are a pro prayer organization. Interestingly enough, it's a three panel photograph. One panel would have been enough. One panel would have sufficed. So that this this triptych um, is its own kind of you know, we have to factor that into the consideration of this artwork. Uh, I think it's bad. <laughs> um, 
as I usually think so, but I, I like the, I don't know, I like his piece. I think that he seems like a nice young man. I mean, it seems very banal. Mm -hmm. Like, why? I mean, again, like, you would see this in National Geographic. It just, yeah. It's, like, it's interesting for its ethnographic value, but as a photograph, it's pretty gay. Yeah, it's really gay. Mm -hmm. This one I'm more inclined to like, actually, probably enough, because even though it is shitty photography, it's still got a camp element to it because it's just like a bald eagle, like looking at you directly with like come hither eyes. The come hitherness is there is is something. There, yeah. yeah. That there it's is a very seductive bald eagle, silver daddy, <clears throat> silver haired daddy, totally. who would live in this who, of the kind that live here. Yeah. And are even described in Eve Babbitt's mm. chapter. Remember, Shape mm -hmm. um, Mason, mm -hmm. I think. This reminds. I mean. In a funny way, it's like a lobotomized version of Heiji Shin, who did a series of like very, you know, blown up like roosters and cocks. Mm -hmm. And I was prepared to like not like them particularly, but like they're actually hers are really really good, like very very finely photographed and actually expressive of psychology in a weird way, mm -hmm. which does have to do with maleness. And I think that this is almost getting there. So, I'm going to give this one a 7. I'm not forgiving ratings, but this is a 7. This is kind of come hither, silver daddy, bald eagle. Not half bad. Not half bad. Not bad. It gets to Harry Tafoya's seal of possibly not give, as bad. I'm going to give it a not that bad. For promo. Mm -hmm. All it for promo. <laughs> yeah. Um, my hands are too occupied to take the picture. I understand. I understand 100%. Alright, here we are. These are colors. These are colors. Patches of colors. In square. Mm -hmm. And it's on aluminum, it looks like. It's a very rough finish. Um, don't love. Yeah. Don't like really. Don't see the point myself. In I mean, I see the point, just that it's... What is the point? It's just to add nice some colors to a wall? Yeah. I mean, this is someone's idea of pretty. What inspires you? I get doing it in a concentrated form, but it's like so... I mean, this is somebody who's very clearly interested in colors. Um, it's just that he's not doing anything particularly interesting with it. I think he's very excited by the way that he's able to put colors together. Okay. I just don't think that he's really gone in too deep with what a color could mean, what kind of feeling you want to evoke. Even, like, I don't know, interesting con contrasts of color. I think he might be onto something, but I think that he needs to do more research and he needs to... I don't know, approaches There's a different a, strategy. And is he is he going for the figure of a man right here in this yellow square here? Or is, is, that, is that or is that just my imagination? I kind of see it, but I don't think it is. Okay. I think these flowers are actually kind of interesting. They're kind of pretty. Are they the same person? I don't know. I think probably a different artist. Yeah. I don't have fun. 
This is the signature gallery. We'll return at 11 p.m. Oh, okay. That's crazy. Crazy. Or maybe 11 a.m. Mm -hmm. More likely. More likely. No, 11 p.m. We're going to be back. Yeah. But you wouldn't put will return Here we if go. you're just playing all closed. No. Okay, what the fuck is that? This is a girl. She's sculpted. And she's um, holding a wire flower. She appears to be done in bronze. I'm just sorry I did that back. Because the angle, I said it's fucked up angle. She's looking at a miniature man with a kind of broken umbrella mm -hmm. <laughs> that looks like a tissue flower. This is just bad. And so. the umbrella is red. The umbrella is red. The it's a very Schindler's List kind Yeah, of. it's a Schindler's List look. Everything else is... And it's probably well, something Holocaust related. I think it's... Um, she has like a very withering look in her eyes. Mm -hmm. She's, she's um, taking this man down a peg. It's almost like a kind of female wrath is, you know, enough to um, kind of crush his masculine ego and sexual prowess. And I think that we could look at the umbrella as a penis. And as the red umbrella, whatever that's called, the red um, tent part of the umbrella. Yeah, that's the foreskin. Is it the foreskin or is it the Marnie-like menstrual uh, uh, blood? Mm -hmm. I think it's I think it's foreskin. I'll tell you why. Oh. I think this is actually a comment against circumcision, uh, <laughs> because it's the blown apart skin mm -hmm. that is lost, and um, he is the child, and she is the mother, and he she's about to make a decision that will send him reeling for years to come. Mm. So, God forbid, we should be subject. To the torments that produce this particular work of art. God, God forbid. I mean, I've got the half cut, but that's, that's, that's yeah. here, there, there. I don't give a shit there. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. You feeling good about this year? Are you feeling anything about this year? or? I have like a very cautious hope. Mm -hmm. A very humble hope. We've all been humbled, haven't we? I don't, I don't know about all of us, but <laughs> I, I don't know. I've been humbled, no. for sure. You know, the kind of limits of my pathetic... Uh, bitch contribution to humanity is uh, been exposed to be quite limited <laughs> but I, I don't know I'll, I try to be a, a decent person nonetheless okay now we're at like a, a kind of stretch of shops yeah what do you think about the fashions what the fuck is this now blue what is this it's fashion what it, is. Okay. it seems very it's an architectural it's 
I think it's very seductive. I think it's very related to the mating ritual. Is this seductive? This is not hot. I know it's not. I'm bullshitting you. No, it's Galevians. This is theatrical bullshit. This is like, stand back, I'm coming through. This is, this is very funky curator. This is very, um, I have cats, not children. Come on, the fake ass Starry Starry Night. Um, that, is, that, is a, that is a disgrace against art. I'm an art hostess. Yeah. Art hostess. <laughs> no, no. no. This bitch is hosting a party mm -hmm. at her mansion. Where she's carefully arranged. She's she is. What's her name? She looks poor. She looks expensive. But is she not the character from Eve Babbitt's chapter who kills herself? It's a question. Is she not? No. 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 And I'll tell you why. Because this is showing a level of personality that she would not otherwise be allowed. Okay. You know. This is almost the opposite of that character. Okay. I love that. Like you actually have to like link the. You, know, I, you have to buy Slow Days Fast Company in order to understand this episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here's some art. Of course. This is some glass, which is actually hard to do. I don't know about, like, how we go in? No. Oh. Like this. I think it's called Gilded Modernism. Yeah, really? Literally, yeah, look inside. That's the Patrick Guyton Gallery. Is the show perhaps called that? Gilded, well, let's see, it's right there, it's the sign. Hi, you're welcome. Hello. Hello. Good, good. This is um, of the works of Tamara Delenpica and Franz von Stuck. Uh, it's got that vibe to it. Is it redolent in a good way? Have you been here before? Just saying not. This is the first time, no. Well, this is the work of Patrick Guyton, who paints on precious metal leaf. This nice. piece is pure copper, inlaid mother of pearl. Is it oxidized? Yes. Nice. I made mother of pearl. Pure 22 karat gold in there too. Nice. Nice. Pure silver, 0.9999. Pure copper again. Inlaid mother of pearl. I like the oxidization. Yeah. And this is why it's called gilded modernism. Gilded modernism. Hey. This piece here though is all pure silver with 22 karat gold. Diamond dust as well. Wow. So yeah. Where's the diamond dust? You'll see the sparkle. Oh, I see, I see. And over here, I have a 22 karat gold piece and more oxidized blood as well. Okay. And you're welcome to check out the rooms in the back here, too. Awesome. This is interesting. Oh, kind of blood. Yeah.
Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Then behind you. What, the moon? No, the thin blue line. Oh, the thin blue line in the flag, yeah. Yes, that line? is the thin blue line that is black onyx leaf with 0.999 silver and uh, cobalt. Nice. She's made one for firefighters as well. Nice. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Thin blue line. Is that, what's the name of this piece? Thin blue line. Thin blue line. Yeah. Right. Okay. Unless you're going to buy it, you're going to fit it somewhere. I gotcha. It just doesn't. Okay, I understand. Thank you. I understand. Around the corner, I've got some great stuff in the room back there. Yes, you do. It says he did back. When we do that, sir, I just want to make sure you. So, if you take a picture and you it on somewhere for other people to see and your picture doesn't come out very good and it's glare it says a glare on it or something you're not representing the artist yes i'm an art critic i know yeah you know what the deal is i thought it may have been because also it's a somewhat controversial subject matter yeah i think also i mean did you look at the table in the next room no i didn't go go This is a clock table. Clock table. Yeah, this is cool. It's like, cool. You know. Some fogs. Yeah, that's hard to do. Like the eye. Apparently this guy's a background did background paintings for Chuck Jones, it says in his oh, bio. Cool. That's cool. Or at least for the reprisal of I can see that. Like a sense of movement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you appreciate the swirl. At least it's striking. Yeah. You know, like. About it. I like the intricacy of this, too. It's cool. Although, funnily enough, people usually like in New York to have the Instagram things disseminate because then they'll be like, oh, where can I see that in person? It's because they're like, what? Because then they'll think to themselves, oh, I can see it in person. And if I can see it in person, there's probably more detail to this. Right. Right. This is nice, actually. Like this. Yeah, I like the gold so much, but I like the green. It's pretty. Yeah. This is a crossover. Mm-hmm. Look at this, it's cool. Come on. Can't help but love some fish. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> a butterfly, come on. <laughs> a some butterfly. Come on, a butterfly. Come on, a butterfly. Who doesn't love a butterfly? This seems like it's a different work. It would appear so. Oh, look at this. Some scandalous topics as well. Got a, got a Natasha Kinski mm. female mm-hmm. in the nude and the surf. Yeah. I've uh, met, I've hung out with her in Yerevan. Really? Yeah, of all people well, in why? all places. 
Um, <laughs> well, that's a crazy one, actually. Yeah. Well, she was invited. She was basically invited as the um, the star of the our Golden Apricot Film Festival one year in Armenia. Wow. Not like they invite famous people to be like their their yeah. It was her and Ornetta Muti. Huh. It was a bombshell from Italian actress, yeah. also similar age. How do they hold up? How does, how does Natasha Kinski look? She looks really good. Oh, well. She lives in Venice or something. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with her brother. She looks great. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, overshot Laguna Beach and ended up in Purgatory. Yeah. Well, maybe that was the Laguna Beach we were looking for all this time. <laughs> we're we're in hell. <laughs> we're in hell, guys. There's no way out. No Every out. turn just takes us back into the same row of galleries. I can't get out of the, this game, man. You thought you could escape to New York. You thought you could escape to San Francisco. I thought you could escape to the big city. To the big city, but no. no. The art critic returns and when he came. Too. You want to listen to me, too? I was so arrogant back there. I, I really do want to apologize because, you know, the entire thing is that I, wasn't, I, I couldn't hack it. I couldn't hack it here. You couldn't hack it in, in Orange County. How are you guys doing today? Good, how are, how are you? you? Uh, pretty good. I couldn't hack it. Art of the soul. And I'm, you know, I hate to admit it, but I am a disgrace. <laughs> I mean, you know, and admitting the, is the first step totally. to reversing your disgrace. Yeah, exactly, on a podcast. <laughs> on a podcast. Is the, and podcasts, yeah, admitting it on podcast, that's step two. Step two. Step three is when the podcast is published, your disgrace is broadcast. Nobody quite knows what it is because you didn't actually mention your disgrace. And the fourth step is Hari Kiri. Hari Kiri, yeah. Now, your disgrace is, is completely unknown to anyone because you haven't details your disgrace. My disgrace is um, not being able to hack it in competitive Orange County art. Which uh, you didn't try to hack, so you're just inventing a fake disgrace in order to disguise your real disgrace. I mean, come on here. Come on here. You come to this place. You come to Mecca itself. You come to Laguna Beach. You come to to the art scene. You are the gay who fled to to Palm Springs. I'm the gay who cowered, tail tucked between his legs to New York City because he couldn't hack it in the competitive world of Laguna Beach art. I couldn't do it. I'm a failure. Where the honorable thing to do would have been to kill myself. Much like the character <laughs> in Eve Babbitt's story Yes. Emerald Bay in Fast Day Slow Company where or Slow Days Slow Days Fast Company <laughs> one of the yeah much like the woman who takes one long look at her body in the mirror, decides it's too old and that she is going to kill it. (sighs) Because nothing but prim perfection should ever be allowed to, yeah, in her her home. Yeah, exactly. Sound like Orson Welles if he were younger and handsomer. Right, if I were younger and handsomer. No, 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 if Orson Welles Welles were handsome. Which, Which he was. He was. He was. But if it, but it, but like, you know. There we go. Look at that. There's the crash we wanted. Here we go. And look at the shadow cast by Moonlight. Come the on, moon. Baby. The lifeguard tower. The lifeguard tower. Let me see if I can. Let me see if all this ballyhoo about the iPhone being able to take pictures at night can come. I can't believe it's only 6:30. It feels Winter. like it's midnight. 
Head out. California winter. <sighs> Let's see, did it do it? It did it did it okay. It looks great. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it would yeah, it's a guy that that's the big improvement, I think. Ability to take these like night fix. It's actually better than my own vision. Which is actually <laughs> well, it's exaggerated. It's, be, it's, be, it's more lit up than we're seeing it like, yeah. with our own eyes. Yes. Oh, yeah. It, it casts a bit of a My terrible vision. backlight projection on it. Yeah. Much like our Orson Welles made so much use of in Touch of Evil. Yes. <laughs> this is actually just like Touch of Evil. Yeah. It's yeah. actually much more like long goodbye because I'm about to fling myself into that surf. Throwing in, you're just gonna walk in like Sterling Hayden. Yeah. Gradually yeah. until you disappear. <laughs> gonna walk in like um, Joan Crawford. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's you mean in whatever happened to Baby? Oh, that didn't walk in, but like they, we end on the beach in whatever happened to Baby Jane. Have it's you seen really, it? It's not. It's not. Well, the horror movie with her and Bever Betty Davis. Yeah. The two sisters. She's she's dead on the beach. She's dead on the beach. And yeah. Then and then Betty, Betty Davis, Davis is just goes, crying. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. that's one of the horror movies that really moves me. By the way. Because you, you know, relate to the plight of being a horrifying older woman. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I relate to the plight of being a horrifying older woman, and I also relate to the plight of two horrifying older sisters, mm. and like that. I relate to that like dynamic of yeah. big, time, big time. I mean, the, the one confounding thing for that is that I think you're actually quite masculine. And I think that the unique horror of whatever happened to Baby Jane is the corrupted feminine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's the whole corrupted, the, the, it, I mean, you know, one of the main horrors is, is just also just being crippled and yeah. being at the mercy of your resentful yes. sister whom you've screwed over. Yes. Spoiler alert. Yes, the, the, the mutilated feminine. <laughs> instinct yeah like yeah. just having that having to play that horror horror game on horror each of other. all horror of all horrors on each other Eve Babbitt's comes to your house and you realize that you're so plain in comparison but you I, have to kill yourself there's no choice you just have to kill she yourself she makes a salad she makes a salad where she didn't she thought the lettuce had nothing on it and your dressing is known all across Laguna Beach as the best salad dressing in Laguna Beach and God. she didn't even think there was anything on the lettuce. Ugh. I might have done it the same thing. I might have killed. I would. I want to, say, I want to walk into that water right now. God. <laughs> <laughs> That's the salad dressing. Well, maybe I do actually have some corroded feminine energy in me. <laughs> I mean, who don't we all? Don't we all? Yeah. There's a. There's a. There's, actually, I wonder. Like, if, hear, hear me out. A genre idea, perhaps you could make this film. Instead of Psycho Bitty, it's Psycho Bottom. And it's all the same feminine preoccupations, but it's a former twink. Yeah, that's good. There's, yeah. there's lots of horror to be mined in that. Yeah, that could that, be really good, actually. For, for sure. <laughs> Psycho you, Bottom. You've actually aged out of your um, OnlyFans earning potential. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> At 26. At 26. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're too young to be a daddy. You're too young to be a daddy. All your friends have already become, you know, highly successful daddies. Highly successful. Top 1%. Exactly. They've all become highly successful dick pigs, and you yeah. have lost your beauty. You've been edged out by Czech teens um, <laughs> hustling for that EU money. It's just, it's just all grim. 
Yeah, and so you basically you go you travel to Prague to exact your revenge exactly. upon all the twinks of Czech twink of exactly. Czech hunter. Of Bellamy. Yeah. <laughs> you go to Studio Barando. Honestly, this is this is this is not a bad idea. I mean, it's I'm giving I'm giving you like a billion dollar pitch. No, it's as I don't know if there's I don't know if the market for twink horror is billions uh, in terms of the world market because I don't know like you know will China go for that? I, th I think it would. You think they're into the you know, they'll 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 allow? Yeah, I mean it's 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 a very. You know what they're into actually? They're into like things like um, what is that one movie um, with? I think it's is it Tony Leung? I don't where, know. Him. Where like he plays the opera star? I don't know him. I don't know him. Don't know it. He's like the best actor ever. But like uh, Tony Lung. Tony Lung. L e u n g. Yeah, Lung. Okay, yeah. Lung. I don't know him for some reason. Is he a British actor or? No, he's he's Hong, he's from Hong Kong. Oh, he's he, Hong Kong actor. He, he's the guy from In the Mood for Love. Okay, I have to I have to get I have to I, I have to acclimate myself a bit to Hong Kong cinema, which I have not done. I've been really wanting to watch this movie that Nick Pinkerton has been blowing all over the place, which is called Goodbye Dragon Inn. Goodbye Dragon Inn, is yeah. It, yeah, because it's very... It's so good. It sounds very similar to my first movie. That's actually, that's actually not Hong Kong. It's Taiwan. Oh, it's Taiwan. It's Taiwan. Well, there you go. I've mixed, I've mixed them together again. <laughs> Are you sure it's on Hong Kong? It's a Taiwan. Okay. He's a Taiwanese I, director. Okay. Sai Ming Liang. Okay, yeah, right. And, and Pinkerton just wrote a little book about that movie. Yeah. Nick Pinkerton, if you're listening, I think you're really fantastic. He's, he's definitely not listening. I know, but fine. But <laughs> maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe he will if one day, you know, once he's on. At Nick Pinkerton. Yeah, at Nick Pinkerton. <laughs> Listen to this fucking... At, is that, what, is that his uh, at? I thought it's like his some cutesy oh God, I name. No I don't know. What's your... <laughs> you're just filthy Armenian. I'm filthy Armenian, yeah. yeah. That's pretty signature. Born and raised. Born and raised filthy Armenian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. Don't, don't, don't fuck up a classic. Why? I'm very sad that I got rid of, um, sorry, that Instagram deleted my GK Moss. Oh, why did it delete GK Moss? I don't know. What? Because I think because I think because of like nudity or something. Oh, when you can't get it back? No. Oh. I tried so hard to get it back. It's a disgrace. Instagram doesn't allow like artistic nudity. No. I've seen all kinds of nude shit on Instagram. I'm so good about obscuring it too, but no one wants to give me the time of day. I think it might also be for hate speech because I used to use the word faggot a lot. Oh yeah, that's right. You you do, but you use it artistically as a. Well, art it's also my right. It's, it's my birthright as one to, you know, proclaim things as, as um, you know, evincing faggotry. Right. I, I remember that phrase. Do you remember which street we, we should go up to find our? We're going to the St. Mary Church. Oh wait, we have to cross the street. Yeah. But there is a overall, there is a restful effect that this place does bring, right? Oh, look at the beach, of yeah. course. Of course. It feels like a mountain town yeah. up against, you know, I feel like, you know, Orange County generally is regarded as being quite safe from tsunamis. Hey, look at these handsome people. Look at these beautiful people. It's crazy. It's crazy. Laguna Beach, baby. We 
alley of delight. Pass it again. Sip of Laguna. That's a really shitty photo. Oh my god, yes. I mean, Eve, Eve was not... Eve was not flat too kind about the clothing they were wearing at those parties in the beach. Well, she, um, she's a snob. Of course. But let's, let's be a friend. <laughs> of course. Which is adorable in her, in her hands. Yes, it is. Because she's so honest about it uh-huh. and blatant about it. Totally. That's the part about being a snob that is so underrated. You know? Wait a minute. It's Here just, we go. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. This is horrible. Okay. This is every single Democrat in a painting of the last, like, a hundred years. And even better, it's two paintings in one. And it's Three paintings a, in oh one. Oh, my God. And there's literally, it's all the, it's only the Democrats, right? Like, who? Jimmy Carter. It's in, is that Eisenhower? No. That's no, Johnson. That's, 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 F, that's Johnson, FDR, yeah. JFK, Jimmy Carter. Is that Truman? Is it Truman in it's this? It's got to be Truman. There's got to be Truman okay. because there's no Republicans. This is so gay. It's kind of based, actually. Yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's gay in a good way. It's gay in a, like, raunchy... Flip side. This man is not politically inclined. No, he, he's a he's a, he's a total hustler. We've got Abe Lincoln presiding. Do we have Trump? So no, this is obviously free Trump. Okay, so that is Ben Franklin, but but the rest are like okay, writers. Like that is Mark Twain. That's okay. I thought. So they must all be writers. Where are the American chicks? Storytellers. Where are the ladies? Is one more in there? Where's John Wayne? Interestingly, not a woman inside. We got Quentin Crispin there. Just kidding. Teddy Roosevelt. I don't know that, I can't tell, I can't recognize anyone else. I do Hemingway and Roosevelt and Franklin and Twain. I don't know the other ones. Oh, do you want something? There is a Trump one. There is a Trump one. Where is the Trump one? Oh, right here. Yeah, he's mixed in with more Republicans, yeah. Let's see. And, but it looks like Kelsey Kramer. I want to take, take a picture of it. That's Ford. 
this one have Joe Biden in it? No, this is the old Democrat. Do you have any bipartisan ones? Uh, those probably don't sell so well. It's so sad. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good. Good. Checking you out. Any questions the... about anything? No, just looking around. Did you have a bipartisan presidential painting? Uh, yes, they're right there. Oh, where? Wait, wait, where? This one? Uh, either you, one. These are all de- no. I mean, like, is there one where the Democrats and Republicans are playing pool or to- po- they're they're mixed together? They're together? Yes, they're right there. Am I am I blind? No, you're not. So no, the artist did not actually put them in the same painting. Oh, why? Well, I, I think okay. the idea was that if you look at them, like the two at the bottom, mm-hmm. it's almost like they're in the same room, just ah, at different tables. I see. I see. I see. Yeah, okay. I see. This one's the yeah. This okay, is, this is the one that's yeah. Yeah. So I got yeah. That's cool. Okay. Because I was fully convinced that they, okay. Yeah, no, the artist never put them on the same painting together. Uh, I would always joke that, you know, he tried, but they couldn't even be in the same painting together. Yeah. Yes. The canvas ripped itself apart. Yeah. yeah. No, but I think the idea was, if you look at it in that context, mm-hmm. it's like they're sort of in the same room, just again. Gotcha. Kind of like you think of like a wedding or something like that. Your group's over at this table, your group's over at yeah, that yeah. table. Yeah. What about these people over here? Because we can recognize some of them. Yep. Presidents, statesmen, artists, authors, entertainers, uh, gentlemen that affected American uh, culture or history. Okay, so I've got Roosevelt, Twain, uh, Hemingway, yep. Franklin, and I'm blanking out some of these other ones. Yeah, so. so there's a few that you're just not going to get. Sure. For one, uh, this is the artist himself that did the piece. Oh, this is Andy oh. Thomas, the artist behind these pieces, behind the president. Well done, Mr. Thomas. Um, these two gentlemen, they're artists. Uh, you might have heard their names. You might be familiar with the artworks. Most people don't know what they look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Charles Russell, mm-hmm. uh, Charlie Russell. Uh, this is Frederick Remington. A lot of people know Remington for his bronze yeah. sculptures. Uh, next to him is Will Rogers. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. oh you got, you got, White. Yep. You yeah. got Hemingway, Reagan, Teddy Roosevelt, Bill, Buffalo Bill, yes. Cody. Uh, Norman Rockwell at the end. Oh, okay. And then uh, Twain. Mark Twain. Yeah. Mark Twain. Nice. So again, uh, some of the artists that were you know influential with him, and then uh, again American culture. Thanks. Storytellers. Yeah, yeah rock on tour. They knew yeah. how to crack a yarn. Yeah. Or just well, well, in this authors, case, authors you know, of the American mythos. And, and again, here you have Mark Twain sort of leading that. Yes. You know, and they're all looking at him, and particularly the look uh, from uh, Will Rogers, who apparently was known for kind of doing these like antics like that, but yeah. uh, looking at him in that sort of disbelief, like. You're stretching it a little too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that. I love how happy they are to be in each other's company. And, and these do come just like the presidents, where you've got a small, medium, a large size. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would be the large size. It does come in a, uh, a medium size, which would be about that size, and then mm-hmm. it comes in a small size. I don't have them here because we did sell those recently. Gotcha. But they are available. Thanks. It's American, American storytellers. Yeah. So, the point of life is to paint yourself into a scene where Mark Twain, Hemingway, and Ben Franklin are raconting over a fireplace with all of America's finest dozen story. Do you want to know something? Do you want to know something that I thought was really striking? You know who was conspicuously absent was Eve Babbitt. She was not there. She was not there. And she deserves a place in the boys' room. I mean, she. Do you want to know something? She put Laguna Beach on the fucking map. She put it on the fucking map. That's for goddamn sure. What do these faggots do for for you know Laguna Beach? Nothing. 
deserted. <laughs> our, our, I will die on the hill of Eve Babbitt's deserves to be at that fireplace. Yeah. Over the nobody ass random painter of that painting who has inserted himself yeah, Andy right Thomas. next to fucking Mark Mr. Twain. Mr. Thomas, if you're listening to this podcast. Not cool, Mr. Go Thomas. Go fuck yourself, Mr. Thomas. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself, Mr. Thomas. You four-eyed fuck. Four-eyed fuck. You fat, you fat freak. You grizzly, white-haired, mediocre, fluffy painter, fuck! You really are like the uh, Armenian Susie Green. Yeah. <laughs> She's, I, I, yeah, we feel it. I feel her. I mean, she could be Armenian. Totally. Yeah. I have, I have my own circle of Susie Greens who constantly are telling me to fuck off. Yeah. Armenian women, you know? Yeah, it's out there. Got on a catch you, Andy. She doesn't tell me to fuck off, but others do. Sure. <laughs> oh, I ache. You ache, you pain, I you ache, long. I Listen, you I yearn. pine, I yearn. Wow, that's a dramatic. I know, that was ridiculous. Just for hugging it for a second. Drama, those, those little, those skinny little drama queens. You I hug swear. them for a second and they just clatter and That's shatter. Exactly. Maybe this is a gay city. Well, we, all we've seen is images that cater to gays, to the gay, <laughs> to the homosexual gays. Yeah, exactly. But well, gays go nuts for Ben Franklin. Famously. Oh, really? They famously go nuts for, um, oh yeah, for, for, well, <laughs> for, for, for grizzly Republicans and Democrats raconting exactly. around a billiards exactly. table or a fireplace. Exactly. I mean, or fire. Yeah. Cozy. I mean, I want to curl up with my chastin, you know. And, oh, uh, Jesus. I can imagine curling up with your chastin. First of all, <laughs> yeah. If you're going to be um, a cage little cuck, you're not going to sit on the same couch as me. Number one. <laughs> You you're need your own si- cuck quarters. You're either sitting outside, <laughs> yeah, uh, or on the on the dog bed. Yeah. Legion, okay, some laundromats. Laundromat, nice. nice, nice little coin laundromat place. Okay, sure. That's a nice little piece of old Americana over there. Yeah, well, okay, so we're almost at the Catholic Church. We're almost at the Catholic Thank Church. God. Um, America's <laughs> Catholic Church. America's it says. Catholic Church. Uh, check out the pictures on social media. Yeah, exactly. FilthyArmenian.com or .ig at Filthy At Filthy I should. I think I have reserved the .com, but I don't know if it shoots anywhere. <laughs> I got to make sure. I got to get on that probably before Actually, the Turks that, take it away from me. Or it's like, you know, it's, it's just porn. Oh, yeah, it just becomes a, yeah, seriously. There isn't that much Armenian porn out there, you know? I, like, would, it, I would not think so. There is, there is a niche to be explored here. There, there are just like certain ethnicities like where they do not perform. They're just, well, yes, but in our case of Armenians, it's just because it's just a numbers thing. It's like there's so few Armenians just generally that you're not going to get. There's so many. That can't be true because there's so goddamn many of them. It seems that way, but like if you like compare Lebanese. them to any other population and it's, a, and it's like a drop in the ocean. Like, but like the Lebanese though? Like do they have a, is there a ton of Lebanese porn? Mia Khalifa. She's one person. Okay. 
But still, there's way more Lebanese than there are Armenians in the world, I believe. Are there? I don't know. I could be wrong about that. I could be wrong about that, but I still there isn't a whole Lebanese porn industry. Is my point? Sure. But no, the one the thing. What's striking to me though is like I, the Indian guys are so beautiful, but then there's almost no Indian porn. Well, that's something that apparently many have discovered is not so. There's apparently a lot of Indian porn. Oh. If you know where to look. Oh. We were just talking about this last night. Who? With my straight friends. Okay. Yeah, uh, they found Indian porn. And where are we? <laughs> I don't know. Where, are we in the? Did you take me to the wrong? Well, it's the church of. I, I mean, I wasn't. You're finally the blind. Yeah, I know, but you took the picture, right? Uh, I, oh, we don't know that it's here. I have no idea where we are right now. Okay, okay. We may be in the totally wrong place. So. St. Mary's Church. I thought you put it in your thing and you were like going in a certain direction. No, it wasn't at all. Okay, so it's 700 feet. Mean that's that sounds. Can you guidepost wherever this is? Oh wait, it's right here. Oh okay, we're on the wrong street. We have to go this way. All right, hold on, let's go this. It's this way. We just came to the wrong block. Oh, uh, we're in hell. Mm-hmm. No, we're not in hell. We're just in paradise. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's cool though. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to India for producing so many gorgeous men. Man, there's been ambiguous porn. <laughs> ambiguous porn. I you know what actually I've had a you know contrary to what you just said. How dare you contradict me? Well no 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 but but, but um you know contrary to the relative smallest of the Armenian population, I feel like um, there's, I don't know, I've, I've engaged with uh, Armenian men before. You've engaged with? Well, yeah, gay, gay ones at least. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's fine, but you're talking about like with porn. Oh, no, no, no. You have conservative, you have the, you know, you just have like, it, the culture would, is, runs against it. Sure, for sure. And then on top of that, you have barely, you don't have that ma- that many. People. No, I, I just meant the. Um, and so, for it to become like an arm, a fetish, like for people to proudly Armenian claim that they're being that they're Armenian doing porn is going to be a well, very also, hard thing to find. Yeah, but like also like what's the you know distinguishing? Also, Kim Kardashian already took like is already yeah, exactly. the Armenian porn industry. Exactly. So we've got like. But I just mean like I, I mean we were talking yesterday about how there's very little well, Arab there's very gonna, little Arab porn you can find apparently. Yeah. Well, and there's a ton of areas in the world. Yeah, but I was gonna say like like what? Um, I think that's what my is car. The, like distinct, like phenotype features that you're gonna be fetishizing over Armenians. You know, like it, it really is like hogs, I guess, for women. But then like, what is it, like just like stocky. Fuck, I don't know. What is it? What is it like? I don't know, man. I mean, you're you're going into yeah 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 no yeah you're just you're looking for vaguely. Vaguely Middle Eastern, vaguely like yeah, like it's the same fetish that would draw you, yeah, yeah, draw you to Lebanese. Exactly. Oh, but I don't have a ticket for my illogical parking. But no, I don't. You don't. You name your car? No, I don't name it. No, I can call it Lucille, but it's a lease, so like, oh, you know, I'm just gonna get attached, and then it's gonna be gone. A lease, yeah. She can't sleep now, the moon is red She fights a fever, she burns in bed She needs to talk
emotions are as near to love as love will ever be. So I agree. Then the moon breaks. She takes the corner that's awesome. Takes your moon. But I feel good. It's a fine day. 